Hello, and a very, very warm welcome to you to what is now episode two of the Josh's Dartistry podcast, the JDP. Uh, hopefully you've had a listen to uh, our pilot episode that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. And uh, yeah, we've had a bit of feedback on that, and uh, therefore we decided to get round the table again for uh, for episode two. Um, we've had a little bit of a, a play around with a few bits and pieces. Uh, it was good to get some audio down and, uh, and, and see how we went first time round and make a decision about where we're going going forward, change a few things round, have a bit of a mix-up. Um, Nothing too major in terms of changes, but uh, just a, a small change on the identity front. But um, that being said, it's now time to welcome uh, the main man. Here he is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Josh Gorton. How are you, Josh? Not too bad, John. How are you? Yeah, I, I'd be better if uh, if a certain game at Wembley this afternoon had gone in my favour, but uh, we're not here to talk about football. Uh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, you sound uh, you sound absolutely devastated yourself, oh, Josh. I am very, very upset. I'm not sure if everybody knows our uh, footballing allegiances around this table just yet, um, but yeah, I'm a very, very disappointed Tottenham Hotspur fan today. But um, what do you mean today? <laughs> yeah, most times. But uh, anyway, football aside, uh, moving on. Uh, we're also joined, of course, uh, by Mr. Neil Connor. How are you doing, Neil? I'm very, very well, thank you. And uh, how have you been this last week? What have you been up to, buddy? Uh, it's been a busy week, to be honest. Um, I've, my passion as well is, is, is football. Um, I also manage a football team um, and we've had three fixtures in five days, uh, which is always a, a busy period. Business end of the season. Business end of the season. Um, yeah, so managed to catch the Premier League action on Wednesday. Uh, we had at one of our games on, on, on Thursday, so uh, just caught up on the highlights of Thursday night's Premier League action. Another game today and then uh, watch the FA Cup semi-final. Anyway, moving on, because we're not discussing that. Uh, yeah, um, Joshua, been up to this week anything exciting yeah quite a busy week i was at sky for both nights of the premier league in rotterdam reporting the action that was awfully a fantastic double header some great results fantastic atmosphere so yeah really enjoyed that busy week Excellent stuff. Now, obviously, I touched on uh, episode one or the pilot episode, if you want to call it, of uh, Josh's Dart History that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. Josh, what kind of feedback have you had, whether it's sort of social media or speaking to people that you know? Um, what have people come back and said? It's been really, really positive feedback, really chuffed with how everyone's enjoyed the show. We were happy with the amount of views we got. Like I say, really, I think everyone enjoyed kind of the interactive element. So, yeah, really pleased. Yeah, so we mentioned um, in episode one that we were going to upload it primarily to Josh's website, uh, com, and stream it from there. We also uploaded it to YouTube. Uh, I think we've probably had about two to 300 hits on YouTube yeah, and right. quite a few more on your on your website as well, Josh. I think about 400, 500 last time I checked. Yeah, and we did say that we wanted to get sort of two or three episodes in the bank before we made it available on iTunes. So we'll record this episode and then we'll have a little conversation about possibly uh, getting it onto iTunes and uh, being able to uh, download on uh, onto your phone, tablet uh, or whatever it is you listen to your, to your podcast on. So uh, that's very exciting. That's all to come in the future. Before we continue, I must mention... 
a man by the name of Mr. Colin Church. Now, Colin Church is my father-in-law, uh, and he's a very, very talented musician. Uh, he's got a little studio uh, in his house, and uh, the theme tune that you heard, the theme tune to Josh's Dartistry that you heard us uh, introducing just then, Colin created that for us. He wrote it, he recorded it, and he's very kindly given us permission to use it. So uh, no royalty fees due there, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have to dip into our pockets to use that. Uh, and also some of the uh, some of the other sound effects and jingles that um, we use in the JDP uh, have been created and given to us by Colin Church. So uh, a really, really big thank you to Colin for providing us uh, with those. What do you think of your theme tune, Josh? I think it's fantastic. Really like it. When I when I went to Colin and asked him to write us something, I got, I gave him a, a a mantle of I want seventies sports cheese, and uh, and that's what he came fits back the with, bill so. perfectly. I, um, but anyway, listen, a big big thank you to Colin. Uh, he's contributed um, to the to the audio uh, of the show fantastically, and uh, I'm sure we will continue to do so as well. Uh, so Josh's Dartistry podcast episode two. What is coming up this evening? Well, obviously, one of the main things we're going to discuss is the. Pre- Premier League and the uh, the results thereof. So it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded. Uh, we won't go into uh, major detail on uh, every night. We are going to discuss the double header in Rotterdam that's uh, that's been this week, um, and we're going to sort of take an in depth look at the the results and the scores and the performances from from those two nights in Holland. Um, but since we recorded, obviously we've had Judgment Night that was in Liverpool. That's been and gone. We lost two people, Josh. Yeah, we did indeed. Um, Gerwin Price, his fate was already sealed prior to Judgment Night. He was eliminated after week eight. Mensor Silovic and Peter Wright were battling it out on Judgment Night for survival. Mensor Silovic lost to Michael Van Gerwen, which meant Peter Wright was already safe before his game against Daryl Gurney. So yeah, Mensor and Gerwin Price left us after Judgment Night. Mensor, very unlucky. Second highest tournament average, but just didn't get enough points, unfortunately. Neil, I don't think anyone was surprised with the the two names on the last episode. We sort of discussed the, the potential of which two we were losing. I don't think anyone was surprised come the end of Judgment Night. No, I agree. And I think that was what, um, in the in the last episode, we discussed in terms of the odds from the bookmakers as well. They were the two favourites to go. Uh, particularly, as I think, Sulevich, he had Van Gerwen yeah. in, that, in that last week. So, yeah, and Peter Wright, still improving, I think. Uh, so obviously uh, Judgment Night been and gone uh, and then we moved on to Sheffield we had another round of results uh, in Sheffield and then obviously the next uh, the next Premier League instalment was the double header in Rotterdam which as I said we are going to be focusing on this evening uh, we're also going to be having uh, some news coming from the Pro Tour and the Euro Tour with regards to uh, recent results Josh will be bringing us bang up to date uh, on the Pro Tour and the Euro Tour. Big news coming in from uh, regarding Max Hopp, uh, obviously, for those who've had their eyes on that, which we'll get into uh, a little bit later on. Uh, we'll also be having our Premier League predictions slot. We'll be giving our predictions um, for the upcoming uh, Night 14 in Manchester. We'll also be taking a very, very quick look back at the results uh, that have come in in the league table. I know Neil will be... Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can do it now. <laughs> Should we do it now? Neil will be especially keen to discuss results over the last few weeks because he had an absolute barnstormer uh, for Judgment Night uh, and it's going to take Josh, uh, myself and the Josh's Dartistry podcast listener uh, something rather extraordinary to catch him uh, but uh, who knows we shall see so uh, we'll be going over those and, uh, and checking out the league table uh, we'll also be looking uh, into a f- into the odds so um, what are the odds Neil will be bringing us of course all the very latest as he did in the first episode um, again Premier League odds uh, European tours uh, and, and everything things such like uh we'll also be looking uh, at your questions so again we've been 
uh, tweeting this weekend on Facebook asking you to send in your questions uh, for the show. We will do our very, very best to answer your questions. We've had some, again, absolutely cracking questions coming to uh, to the Twitter feed. So thank you for that. Thanks for getting involved. Um, it is very important that we get your your questions in and uh, and we'd like you to feel part of the show. So carry on doing that. Uh, you can always call the show, of course, on uh, 07739 and leave us a voicemail in our voicemail box. We are, of course, bringing back one of the most popular items from the pilot episode. Neil, we are bringing back Challenge Josh. Yes, I am excited about this uh, this episode's Challenge Josh. It's taken me a lot of time to put together, and it is darts related, um, but we're going to be testing your skills on music as well. I'm glad it's darts related. That's a that's a bonus. That's, yeah. That is a bonus. Um, but yeah, I've, again, once again, I've seen the questions, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward. Sadistic to smile on Neil's face over. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to challenge Josh again this evening. Okay, and Neil will also be bringing us uh, some news from uh, from the sporting uh, darting world. Uh, possibly some pieces of news that um, don't necessarily always appear in mainstream media. Uh, Josh, you got uh, sorry, Neil, you got some interesting stories for us this evening. Yeah, I've got three or four items to uh, to to go through as you say the, these are stories that aren't really in the mainstream media um i think an interesting one about darren webster um and and the assault that that happened on him so that'll be one of the items that i cover uh, a bit later on okay and uh, we've also got a very 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 exciting announcement to make included in this podcast this evening uh, josh has managed to secure an interview with a very prominent member of the darting world uh, an exclusive interview for the josh's dartistry podcast josh you want to tell us a little bit about that buddy yeah certainly john i had the pleasure of speaking to sky sports commentator rod stud this morning obviously rod has been part of the sky sports darts commentary team now since 2009 one of the most prominent figures he was definitely in Rotterdam for the double header of the Premier League. So we're just going to get his thoughts on what happened in Holland, the Premier League going forward. So very, very happy to speak to Rod this morning. Yeah, really pleasing to uh, to, to be able to get hold of somebody like Rod uh, and get his insight into the game. Uh, very knowledgeable guy, been commentating on the sport for a long, long time. Uh, fantastic journalist. So uh, really interested and uh, can't wait for that a little bit later on. Okay, so that is uh, that is what we're going to hopefully bring you this evening. Um, don't forget you can follow us at Josh's Dartistry on Twitter. You can also check out the Josh's Dartistry Facebook page. Just do a little search for Josh's Dartistry and you'll find the page there. Uh, you can also go on to the Josh's Dartistry website, which is www.joshesdartistry.com. On there, you'll find Josh's blogs, his reviews, his interviews, uh, and everything you can imagine from the from the world of darts. So don't forget to get onto the website, guys, and uh, check out some of the work there. Uh, okay, in the meantime, it's uh, it's time we moved on. Uh, before we get too heavy into uh, results, Premier League, that kind of thing, obviously we mentioned Judgment Night um, a little bit earlier, which was of course held in uh, in Liverpool at the Echo Arena. Uh, very, very unfortunately, we had some sad news, uh, quite incredibly, during the broadcast, um, which which started to break during the final game of the evening. And well, we lost a we lost a legend, Eric Bristow, uh, unfortunately passed passed away that night, Josh. Yeah, really, really sad news. Eric was attending, obviously, the Premier League darts in Liverpool at the Echo Arena. I think he was doing a corporate function with some VIPs before the action. And as he as he left the venue, he suffered a heart attack. Paramedics did their best to revive him, but obviously, unfortunately, he passed away later that evening. And the, new, the news um, filtered through during the final game of the night between Peter Wright and Daryl Gurney. Really, really emotional night. And I think, obviously, when the fans became aware of Eric's passing, they all 
serenaded him with chance of there's only one Eric Bristow. Really, really moving scenes and a tragic, tragic passing. Legend of the sport. Well, I, I mean, Peter Wright's demeanour on stage at the end when obviously news had, had filtered through as to what was happening. Pete, poor Pete, he looked absolutely inconsolable when he came off the stage. Yeah, he was devastated. I th- I'm, I'm told that I think Daryl and Peter were told of Eric's death just before they went on stage. So it must have been very difficult for them to play that game. It, it's funny, you know, because when it, well, funny is probably not, not the right word to use in this circumstance, but listening back to our, our pilot episode, obviously Eric isn't um, an active player um, on, on the tours at the moment and hasn't been for a very, very long time. But we mentioned Eric Bristow twice uh, in, the, in the pilot episode. Uh, Neil, I think you mentioned him when we were talking about your um, earlier starting memories. Yep. Um, and then we also mentioned him, I think it was part of Challenge Josh Challenge as Josh, well. Yeah, that's right. Challenge Josh as well, when we were asking Josh to, to name those players who formed the breakaway and, and formed the PDC back in 93. So, you know, in, the name Eric Bristow, completely synonymous with darts. Um, and yeah, it was no surprise to me that we'd already mentioned him twice in our, in our pilot episode, despite the fact that he was... Uh, um, he was not an active player on the tour. Neil, Eric Bristow, thoughts? Very, very sad. As uh, as I said on the last episode, he was one. He was the main man, really, um, when I first started getting into darts, when it was really hitting mainstream TV um, in, in, in the 1980s. Fantastic player, interesting character. I watched some footage last night. He was playing Jockey Wilson in, in Scotland. Um, really playing to the crowd and, and, and was someone that was spurred on if he was getting grief off, off of the crowd. So he, he, really, he really did push darts to the next level, I feel, in, in, in the 80s. As I say, when it, was main, when it was starting to come on mainstream TV. Um, so he had his issues after he, he had dartitis, which I think developed over a, a, a long period of time. Um, and, and never really uh, recovered from that. Um, but later on, um, obviously, th- th- there's the um, there's his relationship with with Phil Taylor. Uh, he was the one that really discovered Phil Taylor and 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 sponsored Phil Taylor. So not only did he have a massive impact on the darting world uh, in terms of his performances and and his achievements, but he also found um, darts greatest ever player I remember um, the last time I went to Ali Pali for the Worlds um, being out in the in the, the fans village where you obviously you can get a bite to eat and, and something to drink and, and seeing Eric and he always used to have a well on the nights that he was there he used to have a, a little area set up where you could kind of have a meet and greet with him and a, yeah. and a chat and have your photo taken and 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 and, and get his autograph and um the stand was always very busy you know I always saw a lot of people yeah. um, queuing up uh, to, to just have their moment with Eric and of course they're queuing up to get the, their photo but I think a lot of people were queuing up just to say hello um, and, and have a little you know conversation with a, a legend of the, the sport that, that these fans followed Josh yeah I think he was Dart's first real superstar really I mean obviously Phil Taylor 16 time world champion a product of Eric Bristow is nil nil reference but I think if you asked anyone to name one Dart's player I think Eric Bristow would be the top of many people's list he was a he was an absolute legend of the sport and as Neil said he was he was an integral part of the sport's growth between the 1980s and the 1990s but I've got to say I thought Keith Deller he he was at Sky Sports on spotting duty on the night of Eric's passing in yeah. Liverpool. And later that evening, he came on stage with Dave Clark and spoke of Eric. And I thought it was fantastic. I mean, bearing in mind, Keith and Eric have been friends now for over 30 years. Obviously, they contested the 1983 World Final, which Keith Della won. But he spoke with such eloquence and, and emotion. And I thought it was fantastic of him. Bearing in mind, he just lost a very close th- friend just a number of hours earlier. 
Yeah, and fair play to all the fans in attendance. Um, obviously, the news probably filtered through on people's mobile phones during the um, during the Liverpool show, um, and obviously there were there were long and loud cheers, cheer, uh, chants. Sorry, of there's only one Eric Bristow, and then of course the following week um, in Sheffield, um, the fans gave him an absolutely fantastic uh, reception and fantastic send off. So, credit to everyone who was uh, who was in attendance. So, uh, from uh, from the three of us here on the uh, Josh's Dartistry Street podcast, um, obviously we're uh, we're very sad and we send our condolences to Eric's family friends and uh, and of course the the wider darting world Neil absolutely um, a sporting great uh, and a, a terrific character and I think that's why he was so popular very interesting stories I think when he got his MBE in, in 1989 he actually broke protocol and turned his back on the, the Queen uh, I think when he realised his mistake, his his response was to say "sorry, darling," which I think she <laughs> I think she was very very amused by. So um, again, on our TV sets, he was in. I think he was fourth in in, in "I'm a Celebrity." Get me out of here. Yeah. Um, interesting person to watch um, during that during that series. Um, someone that's quite straight talking. Yeah. Um, and very very popular, so a, a real tragic loss. A, a few a few controversies in his uh, controversies in his life, which I'm not going to dwell on. But what what I found quite nice was a lot of people who spoke of, of him did acknowledge those kind of things, but also said that that's what made the man in terms of yep. he spoke his mind. Um, you know, he he he, sp- he spoke as he found. Yes, but every now and then that would get him in trouble, but he did speak as he find, and uh, a lot of people were were paying credit to to him for doing that because sometimes in, in the sporting arena, those people can be few and far between. Oh yeah, I'm awfully, I mean, he, what you see is what you get, Eric. There's no there's no kind of front with him. He's upfront. He's honest, and that's what I think a lot of people enjoyed about him and respected him for but um yeah like i say tragic tragic loss for the for the sport of darts okay yeah as i said uh, from all three of us here at uh josh's dartistry we pay tribute to uh, eric bristow and uh, of course rest in peace buddy You're listening to the Josh's Dart History podcast. Don't forget you can check us out on Facebook, the Josh's Dart History page. You can also follow us on Twitter at Josh's Dart History. And you can also go to our website, www.joshesdarthistory.com for all the latest news, blogs and information on the world of darts. Don't forget you can also call us and leave us a message on our voicemail box. That's 07739 738 329. That's 07739 738 329. Call our voicemail box, leave us a message, leave us a question, and we may play it on the show. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back to the JDP. Uh, we're now going to move on to the Premier League. Uh, we just touched on it earlier, obviously, the uh, the results at the uh, Liverpool Echo Arena. Uh, and then, obviously, we had another night in Sheffield. Uh, we're going to concentrate now on the double header, uh, which took place in the wonderful country of Holland, uh, of course, in Rotterdam at the Ahoy Arena. Um, two nights of action in, in Rotterdam. Obviously, we lost the night due to the bad weather and the snow. I think it was, was that in Exeter that was due yeah, to Yeah, that's correct, place? John. Yeah, Exeter week five. 
And I think the uh, the Rotterdam venue was the only one that could sort of cater for two nights in a row, and that's why they've decided to go with the the double header. And in fairness, what an absolutely fantastic decision because it brought us two nights of absolutely fantastic darts in Rotterdam. Uh, I think the opening shots of the crowd, Josh, um, that absolute and and people use the phrase time and time again, and I'm not afraid to use it now, and I don't make an apology for doing it. An absolute sea of orange, Josh. It was absolutely fantastic. Like I say, this is the third year now that the Premier League has gone to Rotterdam, and the atmosphere is just fantastic. I mean, it went to Berlin for the first time this year. That was the biggest in terms of venue, but I think in terms of the atmosphere, I think Rotterdam's the best they've been to in the Premier League. Fantastic. 10,000 sellout on both nights. Exactly. I think the tickets for the for the Thursday, the initial night, went or sold out in about eight minutes, something ridiculous like that. So, uh, yeah, and it was nice to see uh, dear old Dave at the start of the show as well. He was dressed in orange. He had his best orange shirt on on, on both nights, so he was joining in with the, the fun and games on stage up there as well. So, yeah, an absolute sea of orange, and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll come on to the, uh, the Dutch contingent uh, very, very shortly. But uh, up first on the Wednesday, we had uh, Smith play Anderson, Josh. Yeah, they met in the very first week of action, and... Um Michael Smith came out on top on that occasion, coming from 5-1 down to beat Gary Anderson. The pair are very good threat friends. Gary Anderson mentors Michael Smith. But Gary Anderson was in fantastic form throughout the doublehead in Rotterdam. He had three games, two in the first night, and kicked off with a 7-2 win over Michael Smith. Near 110 average from Anderson, 4-180, 70% on the doubles. Incredible display. Yeah, I mean, Anderson took, a, took an early 2-0 lead. Smith was probably a little bit slower out of the traps. Um, Anderson raced into a to a four one lead and and one seven two on double nine nil. Any thoughts on the, on that contest? No, I thought he was. I thought Gary Anderson was was outstanding. I think I said last time that he's one that can go toe to toe with Van Gerwen, and and now he's over his back trouble. Uh, I think we're seeing some him recapturing the form that led him to two world championships. So I have a feeling that Smith. Um, is is just about dropping off in in in, in the Premier League. Um, I think he he picked up points early on, um, even when he wasn't playing particularly well. Um, but I think the top three um, of Anderson, Van Gerwen, and, and Cross will be the big hitters if they're the four that make it through to the to the semi finals. It's interesting you say that about Smith Neil because um, at the start of the night. I know we had a we had a double header, so we had obviously lots of matches throughout the week. But at the start at the start of the night, it was Smith in second place versus Anderson in fourth yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I I think we're now seeing the the, the cream rise to the top, if you like, and and the big hitters uh, in Van Gerwen, Anderson, and and Rob Cross uh, hitting those top three positions. But I think Smith will survive, uh, and I think he'll make that final four. So yeah, very uh, very good couple of days. We'll obviously touch on uh, touch on all of the results um, moving forward. Uh, obviously, some people had a very very good few days, um, but Gary Anderson uh, started the the, the whole uh, double header off in fine form, and he, and he did continue that, which we'll touch on in a little while. Uh, moving on, second game of the night was uh, Rob Cross versus Daryl Gurney. Josh. Yeah, again, Daryl Gurney played Rob Cross in Belfast, which was Gurney's homecoming. Gurney came out on top on that, on that occasion, but it was a reversal again this time. Rob Cross winning 7-4. Cross stormed into a 5-0 lead. Gurney really didn't get out the, the gate quickly, but in fairness to Daryl, he really fought back well, took out 120, 138 finishes to make it back to 6-4. At one stage, I thought he was going to nick a point, but Cross held his nerve in the end, got over the line with a 96 average. Good solid display from Cross, not at his best, but still did enough to get the two points. Josh, when I was watching it, I was watching, um, I was watching Gurney very closely. I felt Gurney's first dart was pretty consistently poor. 
Yeah, I mean, Daryl's one. I mean, you can say the same for all players, but Daryl's first dart is so important. When he gets that first dart in the treble 20, he's so prolific. And that, like you say, he was going a little bit low. He was having to switch to the 19s, which he doesn't particularly enjoy doing. So I think that was pivotal in his slow start. You're right. Although, uh, although Cross won the game, Neil, um, he did miss two match darts at double 16 when it was 6-2. And he also missed, um, missed Bullseye for the match uh, at, at 6-3. So not didn't have it all his own way. No, he didn't. I think Daryl Gurney is, is a player that's really progressed uh, over the last year or two. I, I remember when he first come onto the scene uh, a couple of years back and he, and he seemed to get agitated by the crowd. And I think he's really learned to deal, to deal with that. And he's, he's a tough competitor and, and, and difficult to beat. Uh, and, and it's the best players in the world that need to beat him. So yeah, cross-nailed, uh, cross-nailed double eight uh, to win 7-4. Um, as well as two ton plus finishes uh, and four four one eighties, so uh, a pretty consistent performance there. Moving on, uh, match three of the evening. Uh, I'm sure Josh is going to take absolute delight in bringing us the uh, the report on this match. Uh, Raymond van Barneveld versus Simon Whitlock. Josh. Yeah, Raymond van Barneveld took on Simon Whitlock in in Raymond's homecoming in Rotterdam. Absolutely incredible reception from Raymond. He was almost in tears on his walk on. It was just an incredible noise, as you said. The sea of orange. Raymond came into us on the back of four straight losses. He, He'd only won seven legs in his last four matches, so in really, really poor form coming into this. But he rose to the occasion, as he so often does on home soil. Two players in poor form, really, because Whitlock had won uh, just one, wasn't it? Drawn two and lost two of his previous five as well. So yeah. two, two players not in great form. Simon, in fairness to him, has been a bit unfortunate. He's been unwell in the last couple of weeks. He pulled out of the previous weekend's European tour due to illness, and I don't think he was firing on all cylinders yeah. throughout the double header. But Raymond was in really good form. 101.44 average, four maximums. Went into a 3-0 lead. Missed three darts at a double for a 4-0 lead. And I thought that may be costly at one point. But he looked really, really solid, really, really focused and won the game with an 11-dart leg. So, really I, good performance. I, I think Whitlock is is showing the signs now and, and you'll see it in the results for the Thursday night of uh, being resigned to his fate. So, we spoke a few weeks ago about Gerwin Price um, had kind of um, given up the ghost a little bit. I think we're starting to see Simon resigned to his fate. Very good start in the tournament. Because um, I think again we touched on it last show. Um, there was a bit of a, a surprise uh, entrant into the Premier League, I think. Um, but I think he's now beginning to fade, and as I say, resigned to his fate. Yeah, he's won, he won his first three games. I yeah. he, was, he was joint top with Michael Smith, but I think in his last in his last ten games now he's picked up only four points. So yeah, he has he has fallen off the pace. He's now bottom of the league. Yeah, a little bit of credit to it. Like I thought he stayed in the game for as long as he could. Um, he did. It's not easy playing Raymond in Holland. is a very difficult. Very difficult task, as we saw with Michael Van Gogh, which we'll touch on later on Thursday night. I thought Whitlock battled well in that game, just was punished for a slow start. Barney's one of the best front runners in the game of darts. When he goes into a lead, he very rarely lets it slip. So that's what was Whitlock's undoing, I think. Uh, before we move on uh, and discuss the next match, we really must talk about the honesty of Mr. Raymond Van Barneveld, Josh. Yeah, fantastic touch. I mean, Paul Hinks. In the second leg of the game, Raymond, well, threw a 1-2-3, but Paul Hinks thought it was a 180. I must admit, I was watching it at the time, and I thought at first when he called a 180, I thought that's in the treble one. Well, I was a bit confused. I wasn't too sure what was going on, because at Barney's next throw, he, he approached the scorer and, and had a conversation. I wasn't, at first thought, I thought he was complaining um, about um, Whitlock's conduct when he was stepping away from the from the hockey and walking too, too close to the throne, but it wasn't that at all. It oh, was... no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I saw Raymond, when, when Paul Hinks called 180, Raymond looked quite surprised. He turned around to look at the scoreboard, looked a little bit confused, but he didn't want to disrupt Whitlock's throw and approach Paul Hinks at the time so he waited until Whitlock had thrown and gone past and then informed him so a really good touch I mean it's what we want to see good sportsmanship 
uh, just looking at my notes uh, from from Wednesday night when I was sitting down watching. It was interesting that um, after the uh, the Barney win, pyro was used. Pyrotechnics, fireworks going off. Oh, they loved it. Sparks flying. There was a, a, a real. Uh, they really, you know, pulled out all the stops for for Barney in front of his uh, in front of his home country. I thought that was an absolutely fantastic touch uh, to, to add in a bit of pyro for Barney. He, uh, he very much enjoyed that. Uh, moving on to the next game, uh, Peter Snakebite Wrights played Michael Van Gogh in Josh. Yeah, well, you mentioned John in the last game about Sparks flying, and they they certainly flew in this one. Peter Wright against Michael Van Gogh, and Peter beat Michael in week two, and incredibly he did the double over him on home soil. That's the first time since Michael Van Gogh has played in the Premier League in his sixth year now that he's been beaten twice in the same season. Fantastic performance from Peter Wright. So clinical on the doubles, seventy percent. Michael averaged one hundred and six point eight seven which is over seven points higher than Peter Wright. But Michael, Michael was 4-1 down, got it back to 4-all, I think with some fantastic... Well, no, 5-all, sorry. 5-all, yeah. Yeah, 5-all with some fantastic finishing. But then he just he slipped, I think, in the last leg on his own throw. He was on 60 after 18 darts, which is unheard of for Van Gerwen. And Wright took full advantage and defied the partisan home crowd to come out on top. It'll be interesting when we look back a little bit later in the uh, the Premier League predictions uh, to see how many people predicted predicted that result. Not many. I, I think. Well, there was no indication of uh, uh, of what was to come. Michael Van Gogh, in you know, he, he pulled out an eleven data to level at one one at that stage. You know, it was all to play for, and probably most people, including myself, were were leaning towards a, a, another comfortable Van Gogh in victory. But uh, didn't prove to be the case, Neil. No, uh, it was a shock. Let's let's be honest. I, I wouldn't call it a shock. I mean, Peter Wright is world number two. In fairness to him, uh, yeah, and it's not the first time he's done it to him in the Premier League season. No, exactly. Mm, yeah, Surpri- I agree. Surprise, I'd yeah. say. I think when when I when I talk about a shock, I think one, once it got, I think it got to five all at one stage. Yeah, he was he five did, two he, up, and then it was five all. He did all. pull it back to five all, and then you think, oh, Van Gerwen's just going into overdrive here. Um, but Wright showed good character, definitely, and and and, and got over the line. And it seventy percent on doubles, and I think that looking at the looking at the stats, that was the difference on the night. Yeah, the combination that you took out a ninety-eight treble twenty double nineteen for three-one, then an eighty-four double eleven last start to go four-one up, and that that was the difference. Those clutch, those clutch finishes. Yes, yeah, a fantastic entertainment there, and uh, a, a surprise result, which is always nice to see. Uh, the final, uh, the final game of the evening featured two players who'd obviously previously played uh, and were playing twice on the evening. Uh, Rob Cross, Josh, he faced Gary Anderson. Yeah, it's always quite interesting when players come back for the second game of the evening. I always feel a lot of it depends on the outcome of the first game. Obviously, both of them had registered wins, but Gary Anderson was far more impressive in his win against them. Against Michael Smith and Rob Cross took out a one four four on the opening leg, started really strongly, but then Gary just put on the afterburners, took out three ton plus finishes in successive legs, 104, 120, 117. Also missed double twelve for a nine data, which would have been absolutely incredible. The roof would have gone off the Ahoy Arena, but didn't quite didn't quite hit the nine data, wired the double twelve. But fantastic performance from Gary, near 100 average, 3180, 64% on the doubles and a fantastic night's work for the two-time Premier I, League champion. I think he thought that double 12 was in. He was, he was walking towards He was walking after him. it, wasn't it? Well, it's interesting that, the, you know, the, the talk about the double 12 for the nine data, the, that that turned up in the, eighth, in the eighth leg and it wasn't until we got to the eighth leg that we had our first 180 of that particular match. It's incredible. I mean, they're both so prolific on the 180s, particularly Anderson, so it's a surprise, but he's, he's a rhythm player, so when he gets in that, in that zone, he's very very hard to stop as we saw throughout the double header so yeah that concludes uh, the results 
for the Wednesday night in Rotterdam, and we were very, very fortunate that 24 hours later, back on our television screens, we had uh, night two in Rotterdam, and opening up the second event of the week was Simon Whitlock versus Smith, Josh. Yeah, Simon Whitlock versus Michael Smith. It started really, really sluggishly. Both players were averaging in the 70s after after three legs. Simon won the first leg, but then Michael Smith just blitzed him. Seven straight legs, took out a 160 finish in the third leg, which was a highlight. Won the game with an 86 finish on the bullseye. Good performance from Smith. 97.46 average, six maximums. Really, really good scoring display. Also 50% on the doubles, just completely outscored Whitlock, who really didn't get a sniff for much of the game. Neil, what did you make of the uh, the Whitlock um, performance? I was I wasn't shocked by the result. I, I think I was shocked by the the margin of victory. Mm. To be honest, so um, as we said, Simon's not been um, at his best last few weeks, but I didn't see a, a six leg margin uh, in that. So um, well done, Michael Smith. Okay, moving on. The match that I thought was going to be match of the night, and it might have been a bit naive on my part with uh, with the Dutch contingent coming up a little bit later, but a uh, bit of a surprise this one. I thought it'd be a little bit closer than it actually turned out to be. Daryl Gurney faced uh, Anderson next, Josh. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic performance from Gary Anderson again. 109.73 average. He already averaged 109 in his game against Michael Smith the previous night, and he was just fantastic. I mean, five maximums, 70% on the doubles again. And I think the highlight of the game came in the third leg, I think it was. Daryl hit a 180 to leave 65. Gary responded by taking out a 170 on the bullseye. Second 170 finish of the tournament. Fantastic performance from Anderson. He's now had three averages in excess of 109 in this tournament. He is really run, he's one to watch, certainly. Okay, uh, moving on then. Uh, Rob Cross then played Peter Snakebite right and they fought that one out to a draw, Josh. Yeah, so it was a really big game for both players. I mean, Rob Cross, I think if he'd have won the game, he'd have he'd have been mathematically assured to have been finished about Peter Wright. I think Peter's got a slight chance of overhauling him on legs difference, I believe. But Rob Cross led 5-2, looked in command, was really solid on his throw for much of the game. But Peter Wright fought back brilliantly well, won four of the final five legs to snatch a draw. The averages weren't anything to write home about. Cross 96.4, Wright 92.22, but good solid performance from Peter Wright. Showed a lot of character, as Neil said. He showed a lot of character against Marco Van Gerwen the previous night. And he, he did the same against Rob Cross. I, th- I think he's he's now someone over these final few weeks that if you're trying to get in that top four, you wouldn't want to play because he did have a slow start. Uh, he had some bad results early on, but now he is a tough cookie. And as, as, as world number two, that's, that's, that's what you'd expect. So anyone that's got Peter Wright over the last few weeks uh, won't be necessarily looking forward to that, that battle. No, I think Peter Wright, I think he's still mathematically able to make the playoffs, yeah. but it's going to be very, very unlikely. But what I will say is I think he may finish fifth looking at the league table and the fixtures because the four players he's already played twice are Michael Van Gerwen, Gary Anderson, Rob Cross and Raymond Van Barneveld. Yep. His three remaining games are against Smith, Whitlock and Gurney. So on paper, not the toughest of fixtures compared to some of the other players. No, no, I think you're right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he, how he does against Michael Smith because um, that game could be could be pivotal. It looks like Smith will make it. Yeah, I think he will. Um, but I'm sure the game against Wright will be tough. Yeah, definitely. Again, as I cast my eye over the uh, the predictions that we had come in um, from the uh, the JDP listeners, I found it interesting that Cross uh, versus Wright, the six six draw, was quite a popular choice. Neil, with um, with a lot of our listeners, a lot of people couldn't really separate them. No, and I think that again, that's a sign of of, of Peter Wright's improvement in in Premier League matches over recent weeks. Because um, I think you know Rob Cross 
is 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 the world champion. Uh, he's in reasonable form, and and with right improving, uh, I, I guess that's why a lot of people saw the draw coming. What uh, what darts was uh, Peter Wright using this weekend, Josh? Was there any changes that you noticed? He changed from the previous week in Sheffield, but he used the same darts on both Wednesday and Thursday, and he threw really well with them. They're the darts he's had most success with throughout his career. And I know you, you, you made a joke in um, in his interview after beating Marco Van Gogh and that his wife Joe had been nagging him to stick with these darts. But as he said himself, he gets bored. Even when he's winning and playing well, he gets bored and he likes to experiment. But if he just sticks with these darts, he's going to get more consistent, more confident. And he's going to be a real danger. Okay, moving on. And uh, let's be honest, the next match of the night was uh, not only the highlight of the night, but the highlight of the week uh, for, for everybody, really, in uh, in Rotterdam. Michael van Gerwen versus Raymond van Barneveld. Yeah, huge, huge match between these two Dutch legends. It was more than just about league tables in terms of this game. I mean, Raymond, if he would have won the game, he'd have kept his hopes alive, which he did. But I think Raymond realistically knows it's going to be very difficult to qualify. This was about pride. This was about showing the world and obviously Michael that he's still got it and he's still, he's still, you know, able to produce the goods. And he did that fantastically in Rotterdam. Michael actually averaged over eight points more than Raymond, 103.7 compared to Raymond's 95. But Raymond broke in the first leg with really, really solid on his throw. I mean, to lead from the outset against Michael Van Gerwen takes some doing because Michael, we saw against Peter Wright the way he came back in that game. He just fires in 11, 12 darts at will when he needs them. But I think Michael struggled with the atmosphere. Raymond had the lion's share of support, I'd say almost 90% of the support in Rotterdam, which I was a little bit surprised yeah, why, about. Why, why do you think that is? Well, Michael Van Gerwen's the world number one. There's no doubt he's the best Dutch player at the moment, but Raymond put darts on the map in the Netherlands. He, he is a legend. And also, I think there's a little bit of the underdog element. We all love an underdog. And in, term, in darting terms, when Michael plays Raymond, Raymond is the underdog. Mm. Yeah, I was almost as interested in the sort of crowd reactions and the, and what was going on around the hockey as, as much as I was that what was actually taking place, Neil. Yeah, it was a, it was a, an interesting atmosphere for, for the players to play in. And I, I think, you know, you look at the averages, Van Gerwen 103 to Barney's 95. Look at the doubles, Van Gerwen again superior, 56%. Uh, to 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 Barney's thirty nine, so I think what what that's telling us is that Barney did things at key times um, to 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 get the job done, and he has this incredible knack of being out of form, but at the right time uh, when it's really needed, digging deep and 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 pulling something special out. And I think um, considering his form of the last three weeks, I think his performance was. Um, fabulous. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I referenced it. I, I wrote a blog post this morning talking about Raymond and the fact that he relishes a big occasion. And he does. He's, his three favourite tournaments are the World Championship, the Premier League, and the World Cup. And it's no secret he's had most success in those tournaments over the last few years. And I think, I think this is the perfect time for Raymond to have this Rotterdam double header. He's been really out of form, really struggling for confidence. And how can you not be inspired when you've got you're playing in front of such an incredible crowd? And he rose to the occasion. And as you said, in terms of the doubles percentages, they don't really tell the whole story because yes, Michael was 56% compared to Raymond's 39. But I don't think any of Raymond's misses were particularly important. I think the second leg he yeah. missed five at double, but Van Gogh still didn't have a shot in that leg. So yeah. as you said, he took out I think 64 finish, 68, some really really key finishes with last dart in hand. He held his yeah. nerve fantastically well. I think just touching on 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 Van Gogh as well. I was watching one of the the Euro Tour events. I think it was Euro Tour three or four. Um, three, yeah. 
and he almost became a it almost became a little bit too easy for him. Showboating. Uh, it was a little bit, and he was you know he was he was going for surprising finishes. Um, you know, it was it was almost like he'd got bored and things had become too easy. And I think he played Peter Wright in the final. And it was oh, that Euro Tour too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, was yeah. A, it was a strange game because he was he was going for all sorts of fancy finishes, and then. Peter Wright started to do the same thing. Van Gerwen won the tournament in the end, but there almost seemed to be a little bit of complacency just creeping into his game. And I think, you know, over the past few days, he's had a couple of shock results. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I don't think that complacency was an issue against Peter Wright or, or Raymond, to be honest, because they're two players he knows are capable of beating him. But I think it must be difficult. I mean, Mark was on home soil. He's a world number one. I'm sure he'd have been expecting a fair amount of support, but... As we mentioned, it was a sea of orange. There were, I, I didn't see, I didn't spot many green shirts in the crowd. No, that's true. There's one or two, but I don't think, yeah, certainly uh, majorly uh, outweighed by everything else. Oh, definitely, definitely. It was a fantastic atmosphere, fantastic game for Dutch darts. As I said, it may be in vain in terms of Raymond's playoff hopes. He obviously lost. He had a double header in Sheffield, where he lost to both Daryl Gurney and Peter Wright. He was really out of sorts, Raymond, that night, and that could prove to be his undoing. But I think that was almost insignificant in terms of the actual Rotterdam double header. It was a fantastic moment for him. And he said, after beating Michael, one of the best nights of his career. Fantastic, fantastic game. OK, so after the uh, the merriment of that match, uh, that uh, quite literally taken our breath away, we moved on to the final match of the night. Uh, the night concluded with Daryl Gurney versus Simon Whitlock, Josh. Yeah, a bit of a after the Lord Mayor's show, this one. Daryl Gurney against Simon Whitlock in a repeat of last year's World Grand Prix final. Simon, in his opening match, lost 7-1 to Michael Smith. Daryl lost 7-3 to Gary Anderson. But Whitlock suffered his, his second... 7-1 drubbing of the night, really, really out of sorts. Gurney stormed into a 4-0 lead. Whitlock got a leg back on double one, but that didn't spark any sort of fight back. Gurney was impressive, 99 average, 3 3-180, 50% on the doubles. Whitlock missed a few key doubles early on, but only an 85 average, which is just not going to cut it. But in fairness to Simon, as I said, he's been unwell the last couple of weeks, and I think that's really derailed his campaign, and he's, he's now eighth in the table, and I think he's out of contention for a playoff spot now. So yeah, that concludes the results. Where does that re- thinking of sort of maybe looking at the league table now and and the remaining nights that we've got in the Premier League? Where does it leave us, Josh? We've got three nights now remaining before the playoffs. We go to Manchester next week, then we finish off with Birmingham and Aberdeen. I think personally, the top four as it is now is pretty set. We've got Marco van Gerwen leading the way on eighteen points. Gary Anderson and Rob Cross are on 17, but have played a game more than Michael Van Gerwen. And then Michael Smith is in fourth on 16 points, but he has a game in hand on both Anderson and Cross. There's a four po- there's a, sorry, a three-point gap between Michael Smith and Daryl Gurney. Gurney sits in, in fifth, but he's played a game more than Michael Smith. So for Gurney to overtake Smith or, or Raymond Van Barneveld, who's in sixth, to overtake Smith, they're going to need to win virtually all of their last matches and hope that other players do them a favour. I think it'll take something extraordinary to see any of those top four miss out, but it's just what order they finish in. Knowing, knowing what we know now, and obviously we can sit here in hindsight, which is very easy to do, and, and we've got the league table in front of us now, thinking about who we've lost already, going and Mensor and looking towards the bottom end of the table, do you think that all the Premier League picks for this year, whether they were um, automatic picks, or wildcards are we happy with the justification of all the players that are involved or are the performances perhaps suggested that other players may have well been a better pick for the competition in fairness when the picks were announced the only two I had question marks over were Simon Whitlock 
and Michael Smith. I mean, Gerwin Price has underperformed hugely in the Premier League, which he, he's, he's accepted. But to be fair to Gerwin, since he's fallen out of the Premier League, he's actually got his form back. And he reached two TV finals last year, the UK Open and the World Cup. So he deserved his place. It just didn't happen. In terms of Michael Smith, he didn't have the best years on TV. He won a European tour event, but he's proved everyone wrong. He's, he's had a fantastic tournament. I think he's, he's virtually a certainty to be in the top four. Simon, he, he's fallen by the wayside a little bit in recent weeks, as we've mentioned. But he started off really well, being really tenacious is really determined and I think he's deserved his spot and I think he's merited it there's a few players who may have had cases the likes of Adrian Lewis Dave Chisnell James Wade dropped out from last year but neither of them or neither of those three players had any you know good 2017 I don't think they particularly deserved their spot based on their form last year although James Wade has really come back to form in 2018 uh, Neil, uh, 12, 13 games down uh, across the Premier League. Uh, long way to go still. We've still got uh, a lot of darts to come before we eventually crown our champion. But at this stage, Neil, any uh, any particular highlights for you across the uh, the Premier League season so far? I think the uh, the Rotterdam uh, double night special yeah. uh, has been the highlight for me. Um, I think we've seen some some fantastic games. Another favourite of mine was the cross-Gurney game. Uh, which I think was in Belfast. Yeah, Gurney's homecoming, um, fantastic game. So cross, cross playing with the crowd, uh, and I think it was a it was a really good game. But I, I think at the moment the the highlight has been the Rotterdam events. Okay, well that concludes our Premier League roundup for the double header in Rotterdam. I feel happy, won't you call me on the telephone? In the morning, won't you call me on the telephone? Call the boys on 07739 738329. That's 07739 738329 and leave them a message. Okay, welcome back to the Josh's Dartistry podcast. Uh, very excited now. Uh, we're going to move into an item that I spoke about earlier uh, and a fantastic uh, piece of audio. Josh managed to get an interview uh, this morning with Rod Studd. Josh, tell us about that. Yeah, really, really happy to speak to Sky Sports commentator Rod Studd. He was, he's been at the Premier League throughout the season, as he has for a number of years now. I spoke with Rod about the Rotterdam doubleheader, the growth of darts. I mean, bearing in mind he started off commentating in 2009 and just how much the sport's grown over the last few years. We discussed the Premier League going forward, his picks for the rest of the season. Awfully discussed the Michael van Gerwen, Raymond van Barneveld spectacle in Rotterdam, what that meant for Dutch darts. And also, he also touched on the passing of Eric Bristow. Hopefully, Rod was a colleague and a friend of Eric's for many years. And he spoke really movingly and glowingly about Eric Bristow. OK, so let's listen to the interview. I'm delighted to be joined by Sky Sports commentator Rod Studd to discuss this week's Premier League action in Rotterdam and the Premier League going forward. So, Rod, thanks very much for joining us this week. It's a pleasure, Josh. So, hopefully you were there in Rotterdam for the doubleheader this week. Just how much do you, did you enjoy the past couple of days on Dutch soil? Uh, just, just absolutely fantastic experience. Obviously, I've been to Rotterdam twice before, but um, to do it as a doubleheader was, um, was even, well, doubly good. Um, I've just really got to give it a big up to Matt Porter, the CEO of the, uh, the PDC and the, the rest of the PDC board there for making that decision because... Um, you know, they were left in a real dilemma when the Exeter event was postponed with the, the snow and they didn't. They had options of cramming in extra games or just abandoning those matches and they made a really, really bold decision to uh, to play an extra night on the Wednesday night in Rotterdam to go with the Thursday night and it just worked absolutely fantastically and it was a brilliant experience. And obviously, we know you've been heavily involved with Rugby League in the past but you've been commentating now on the darts since 2009, I think. But yeah, since, that's right, yeah. Since you became involved with the sport, could you ever have imagined it growing to the extent it has? 
Um, well, it, it just keeps going and going, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, you know, the, the original golden era of darts uh, with Eric Brister, Jockey Wilson, John Lowe, Bob Anderson in the 80s, and then and then the period when the split came in the in the 90s, and then there was a period when, you know, there was nobody watching darts, and it wasn't fashionable, and to, to see it as it is now is just absolutely incredible, and it, it just shows no sign of stopping, Josh, does it, really? You know, to sell two nights out with... Uh, you know, packed, packed to the rafters in Rotterdam two nights is, is, is incredible and uh, and on it goes and long may it continue. Oh, certainly. And obviously you mentioned there about, you know, Jockey Wilson, Eric Bristow. Last month, very sadly, Eric Bristow passed away in Liverpool. You and Eric, Eric were colleagues at Sky Sports. What was it like to work and commentate alongside him and just how significant has he been for the game of darts? Yeah, just just as a desperately, desperately sad night, Josh. It really was. It was, it was such a shock for everybody at Liverpool when the... Uh, the news filtered through, and it it, it was devastating, really. And uh, yeah, Eric, you know, just uh, an incredibly larger than life uh, character uh, in his career. So flash and brash, and he, he played with uh, unbelievable panache. And you know, everybody that picked up a dart. Uh, I, mean, I was a teenager in the eighties. Everyone who picked up a dart wanted to be Eric Bristow. We, everyone threw with a little finger uh, cocked to the side, you know, to mimic Eric Bristow. And of course, none of us could possibly do anything that he could do but but you know he, he would tell people he'd beat them and then he would go on and beat them and it you know uh you know and he he divided opinion in that regard because some people didn't like that kind of cockiness but i mean i loved it i, I thought i thought he was fantastic and then you know a great pleasure and a privilege to, to be on the, the sky sports team with eric and just as it was with, with sid waddell uh, when I started working as well, you know, to see and to work with people that uh, used to watch on the telly or hear on the telly in, in Sid's case was just a, such a thrill for me. So, um, just, uh, you know, he, he loved to talk darts, he loved to play darts, he loved to be around darts. In, in the 80s, Eric Bristow was darts. Eric Bristow was darts. And, yeah. You know, secretly, I think everybody wanted to be to be Bristow, even the other players. So, yeah, just, just a desperately, desperately sad, uh, sad night in Liverpool. It really was, you know, awful. And in terms of just reflecting now back onto Rotterdam, you've been to so many venues across the UK and Europe now with the PDC, obviously Berlin this year. Where does Rotterdam rank in terms of atmosphere? I I think it could well be the best, Josh, to be honest with you. I mean, the the Dutch fans, uh, they they turn up and, you know, you've seen them on the television and almost everyone is dressed in orange and that creates a magnificent sight. And the sound that they make is absolutely... Going beyond the decibel scale, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, you can only imagine what it must be like to be Raymond van Barneveld in particular when he stands on that walkway and they're all singing Barney Army. I mean, the thrill he must get, knowing that almost everybody has come to watch him play and they're all singing his name. What a wonderful, wonderful feeling for Raymond. And, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere is such fun as well. It really is a, a happy go lucky party atmosphere. There's you know, it's it, it just it's just a wonderful experience to be in there, just to stand and be in and amongst it. So, um, I, I really hope that the PDC consider, um, you know, the double header again next next year because um, there's room to put it in. Because as we all know at the moment, the back end of the Premier League, players have to play twice on the yeah. same night. And if they put an extra night in in Rotterdam, and I, you know, I hope that maybe have a chat about this Barry here and Matt Porter and the rest of the board there, uh, and that would eliminate the last game at the end of the, end of the night. You know. They won't have to play twice, and uh, and then able them to get two nights in Rotterdam again. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'd love it to happen again in 2019. No, that would be brilliant. And I mean, I think Barry Hearn tweeted earlier this week because a lot of people have been saying about the possibility of trying to have a TV tournament in Holland. Yeah, I, I think there could be some legal restrictions with with well, betting. I think that's 
right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You're, you're spot on, Josh. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem is that um, the advertising of gambling isn't allowed in Holland. It's similar in a lot of other European countries. France, for example, with, with rugby league teams have, have got a bookmaker sponsor. They can't play in those shirts when they play the Catalan Dragons in rugby league. So um, that's something that they'd have to work around. Obviously, you'll have noticed that the sponsor livery wasn't on the uh, around the board uh, in the nights in Rotterdam. So it's something that could, that could work around, but it's not ideal for a TV tournament because you, you've got to find other sponsors, as we know. Um, most of the darts events are sponsored by bookmakers. The bookmaking industry is spending a lot of money on sponsoring sports events at the moment. So uh, Barry and his team would, would have to find another sponsor. So we'll see how that goes, but it would be good. I know they've looked at Amsterdam, Josh, as well as a, as a possible venue. So uh, it's certainly uh, it's certainly blooming in Holland, isn't it? Yeah, very exciting indeed. And in terms of probably the doubleheader in Rotterdam, Raymond van Barneveld against Michael van Gogh was an obvious highlight. But what were your standout yeah. moments? Um, well, that, that was just brilliant. I mean, you know, and uh, he, he does it, doesn't he? The whole Rocky Balboa van Barneveld. <laughs> he, he, he keeps, you know, rolling back the years and producing these brilliant performances. And that's why the fans love him so much, isn't it, really? But, I mean, that, that was the, one of the standout matches. But, but Gary Anderson, I mean, what... What a performance over two nights oh, for yeah. Gary Anderson. Absolutely exceptional, wasn't it? Um, you know, 110 average against Michael Smith the first night when he played brilliantly and then uh, demolished Carol Gurney with uh, near enough 110 again. Yeah. And then um, just under 100 in the Rob Cross game on the um, on the first night as well. And when when he took out the 170 against Gurney, I just thought that, that was probably the best moment of the uh, of the uh, the two nights. So Gurney hit a 180, put him under pressure and he just said, yeah, all right, mate took out the 170 so I thought that was brilliant and, he, and he, really there's, there's very few finer sights in darts than Gary Anderson playing his best it just makes it look so easy doesn't he it, it really is a pleasure to watch Gary playing well oh it certainly is and you, you mentioned the, the Dutch derby between Barney and Van Gerwen and I'm, I'm obviously you were in commentary with Wayne on, on that game yeah. And you made the point that it's, it's more about just than league tables. I mean, obviously, Raymond can still qualify for the playoffs, but it was more than yeah. about trying to qualify for the playoffs. It was it was a huge game in the history of Dutch darts, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're playing each other, you know, the great old uh, former champion, you know, and that's why I say Rocky Balboa is like that, you know, coming back into the ring again, trying to take on a man that everyone knows is actually better than him and should beat him comfortably. Uh, on all known form, but still somehow managing to find something from somewhere. It, and I, you, you just feel that um, it, it puts pressure on Michael, doesn't it? You, you can see Michael. I don't think Michael fancies playing Raymond at all. We no. know he's, you know, he's, beat, he's beaten him many times, but I don't. I don't think he enjoys it one iota because he knows, the, you know, with the, with the nostalgia thing, the fans are behind Barney. I think he just finds it really hard to play Raymond, and uh, and that reflects in, in, in the matches we see from time to time. Uh, he beat him in the Premier League last year in Manchester, beat him in Rotterdam. So it, it is more than just. I mean, two points in the league table. It didn't really matter. That wasn't about that at all, was it? It was. A, it was about you know. Barney saying, "Hey, mate, I, I'm still around and I, I, I can still beat you." And Michael knows that, so um, you know, it'd be great to see them uh, play next time again, maybe at the match or something. And of course, they'll be playing together for the Netherlands in the World Cup as well. But it's a it's a brilliant rivalry, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Now, for you mentioned Michael, maybe not particularly enjoying playing Raymond. Do you think Michael was surprised maybe by the level of support Raymond got because everyone was anticipating it being fifty fifty, but it certainly wasn't, was it? It, it might have surprised him, yeah. Um, obviously, the night before, Raymond got the uh, the bigger reception when they were, you know, playing other opponents. But yeah, I think it might have surprised him. I, I haven't spoken to Michael about it. I don't, I don't know if he thinks. I don't know if there's anything there that Michael thinks. Well, you know, I, I am actually the world number one, and I'm the best Dutch player. You yeah. know, should I be getting getting a better reception? But um, 
Barney's just so popular. It's not just in, in Holland where Barney's popular, is it? I mean, he's all over the world. It's not oh, yeah. where Raymond Van Barnewell turns up to play. I mean, they, they, they adore him wherever he is, you know, be it on England, Scotland, the Netherlands, all over the World Series. So, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, I think, you know, Michael commands the utmost respect as a darts player and as a sportsman and as a man, you know. So, um, but it's just, it's just one of those things that Barney's just immensely popular. And now looking ahead to the rest of the Premier League season, we've got yeah. three weeks before the playoffs. There's three points separating Michael Smith in fourth and Daryl Gurney in fifth. Do, do you think the top four is pretty set now? That are there more surprises uh, in store? Yeah, it, 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 it does look pretty set, doesn't it? Um, Michael Smith plays twice next week in Manchester because he plays Peter Wright and he plays then he plays Michael Van Gerwen. So you know, it's conceivable that he could lose both those matches, isn't it? And then uh, um, Daryl Gurney, well, he's had to pick up points from somewhere. He's got a game against Michael Van Gerwen to play as well, so. You know, you probably have to win his other two games, which one is against Smith. So if Gurney beats Smith, that puts the cat amongst the pigeons. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the odds are it'll be Van Gogh and Anderson Cross and Smith, won't it? But um, there's just that chance if Gurney beats Smith, which is in the penultimate round of matches in Birmingham, then, then there is an outside chance. Uh, and I'm sure Michael Smith knows that. It's a bit of an odd one, really. If it was a football match, Michael Smith would be playing for a draw, wouldn't he? Exactly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work that way in darts, does it? So we'll see what happens. It'd be interesting in Manchester because, you know, um, say Smith plays twice, one of those is against Van Gerwen, and Gurney plays Van Gerwen as well. So and Michael looking to bounce back as, after those two defeats. So, yeah, it, it'd be an interesting night in Manchester. And looking ahead to the O2 Arena, I mean, who are you backing to lift the title? Gary Anz is coming into some fantastic form, as you, as you referred to earlier. Yeah, well, if Gary, if Gary, and, and we all know that sport doesn't work like this, is it? Because human beings don't play the same way every week. It's impossible. We're not robots. But if Gary Anderson turned up and played like he did in Rotterdam at the O2 Arena, then the rest of them are better look out because you'd fancy him to beat anybody, wouldn't you? Playing, playing like that, oh, even definitely. Van Gerwen. And we've already seen a magnificent game between Van Gerwen and Anderson in the Premier League in Newcastle when uh, uh, they both averaged 110 and Michael won, and Gary had the 170 and Michael nearly had the nine data. So. That would, be a, that would be a great final, wouldn't it? It ended up being something like that between Anderson and Van Gerwen. But, you know, generally what we've seen is that, uh, you know, Van Gerwen has won three, I think, out of five on finals night. So he generally hasn't been, you know, put perfect, has he, on those occasions? So I, I wouldn't say it's a certainty that Van Gerwen uh, will go there and just mop up. And, and Rob Cross, well, we know what he can do on the big occasion. We saw him, you know, beat Van Gerwen in the semi-final of the world and then produce, I mean, one of the finest displays of darts I've ever seen in a big final to absolutely demolish Phil Taylor. So, um, you know, you wouldn't rule him out either. Who was going to be fourth? I don't know. Michael Smith, probably. Uh, I think Van Gogh and Anderson would be the ideal final, Josh, and they the best man win. Certainly, I think it should be, like say, a fantastic conclusion to the Premier League, and I'm really looking forward to it. Rod, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it, mate, and look forward to hearing you on Sky Sports for the rest of the Premier League season. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, Josh, any time. Many thanks, Rod. Thank you. Well, there you have it. A fantastic interview with uh, Sky Sports commentator Rod Studd and uh, it's a real interesting insight into the, into the game, Josh. Yeah, definitely, John. Really, really grateful for Rod for giving up his time to speak to me. Fantastic, fantastic commentator. So knowledgeable about the game and his enthusiasm is infectious. And I think that showed during the interview there. Some really interesting opinions. Obviously very impressive from Gary Anderson in Rotterdam, as Rod mentioned. The Marco Van Gogh and Raymond Van Barnevel game was obviously the obvious highlight for all the fans in Holland and us viewers watching. And I think the, his opinion, obviously, he wants to see an Anderson Van Gogh in final. 
I think that's what a lot of the public want to see. Gary Anton and Marco Van Gerwen, whenever they go toe-to-toe, it's always explosive. Well, you, you, know, you say that about what he wants to see in the final. Listening to Rod's interview there, not only does he come across, obviously, as a very knowledgeable guy when it comes to darts, but he comes across as a fan as well. I think that's what all the best commentators do. I mean, you listen to someone like Wayne Mardles. Obviously, he's had a fantastic career as a player, now as a, as a pundit. It's fa- I mean, Wayne's not just a, a darts analyst, a darts commentator. He's also a darts fan, and that's what makes it... So enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, so thanks to uh, Rod to, to, for taking the time to speak to us on the Josh's Dartistry podcast. Uh, if you don't already, give give Rod a follow on Twitter, Rod underscore stud. Uh, give him a follow because uh, he's, he's genuinely, well, not only obviously very informative on darts, but um, some of the stuff he, he puts up on his Twitter feed is uh, highly entertaining to say the least. So uh, once again, from all of us here on the Josh's Dartistry podcast, uh, a very big thank you to Rod Stud. You're listening to Josh's Data Stream. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook by going to the Josh's Data Stream page. You can follow us on Twitter at Josh's Data Stream or go to the website www.joshesdatastream.com for the latest news and insight to the world of darts. You can also leave us a comment or a question via our voicemail box. Just call 07739 738 329. Leave us a message and we may play it on air. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back to the show. We're now going to move on uh, to discuss the recent Pro Tour and European Tour results. So last weekend in Saarbrücken, we had the third European Tour event of the year, the German Darts Open, and it was a watershed moment for German Darts as Max Hopp became the first ever German player to win a PDC ranking title. He defeated Michael Smith 8-7 in an incredible final to lift the trophy in front of his adoring home fans. It was an incredible tournament. Max Hopp, he's been really struggling for the last 18 to 24 months, but over the last couple of weeks on the Pro Tour, he's really shown signs of a re-emergence. And he was fantastic throughout the tournament. Defeated three Premier League players. Kicked off the tournament beating Austria's Zoran Lurchbacker, who's reached two Pro Tour finals in the last 12 months. Then defeated world number two Peter Wright in the second round, 6-4. Beat Benito van der Pass, 6-4 in round three. Benito reached the final here 12 months ago. Then defeated Joe Cullen, 6-4, to reach the semis, where he met world champion Rob Cross. That's a really, really top-class game. Both players around the 100 average. Hop in the deciding leg, took out a 1-2-1 finish on the bullseye to win. And funnily enough, that's exactly the same finish he took out to win the tournament against Smith in another last-leg decider. Hop trailed 5-2 at one stage to Smith. Was struggling at, at, in the early stages, but Smith was punished for missing a number of key doubles in the midway stage of the match. Hop fought back fantastically well. Brilliant, brilliant win for Max Hop and the sport of darts in Germany. Yeah, I, I thought... The the semi final against Cross had uh, taken all it, it out of him to be honest, and it w- it was a very slow start going five two down, and then he just seemed to, you know, put on the afterburners, and as you say, that one that one two one with the bullseye finish was uh, fantastic. Yep. No, sorry to interrupt you. No coincidence that um, the Josh's Data Street podcast uh, episode one that we did a couple of weeks ago, we were asked questions about Max Hopp, upcoming talent across Europe. And obviously Max Hopp is someone that we, we did touch on quite heavily in the in the last show. And then lo and behold, he, he goes and performs performs and does this in the, in the, in the yeah. tournament. 
Yeah, I think I was saying on the podcast how he was out of form and hadn't been playing well for the last 18 months. In fairness, he hadn't. But he sh- I think he reached back-to-back sem- uh, quarterfinals in the previous two players' championship events. So he got a bit of confidence back. And he just seemed to be inspired throughout the whole weekend. He held his nerve superbly well. Obviously, the German crowd are, were fantastic, really roaring him on throughout the whole tournament. And he performed fantastically well. And we've been treated to another weekend of European Tour action at the moment as we speak. The Austrian Darts Open is taking place in Graz and um, a few big name absences. Michael van Gerwen pulled out on Thursday afternoon. Michael lost in the quarterfinal of the last European Tour event to Ian, Ian White and that ended Michael's 20 match unbeaten run in European Tour events. Dave Chisnell's also pulled out in Austria due to illness and Peter Wright has been knocked out as we speak this evening by James Wade, 6-4, Wade averaging 103. So that's put a, the cat amongst the pigeons and it's really opened up the tournament heading into finals day tomorrow. Who, who do you fancy, Josh? I said if Wade beat Peter Wright in the, in the second round, I, I'd fancy Wade. I mean, he'd reached the semi-finals in the first two European Tour events yeah. and he's playing fantastic well but Rob Cross he, he wasn't at his best today he survived seven match darts actually against Steve West but Rob has not won a, a title since winning the world title yeah he may not get a better chance in the in the coming weeks because obviously there's no Van Gerwen no right why, why did Van Gerwen pull out Josh I'm not too sure he pulled out before the game against Raymond so I don't think there was any influence on on that result but it's, it's a very hectic schedule Michael plays a lot of the events I think perhaps obviously heading into the business end of the Premier League season, you may just want to kind of spend some time at home with the family, recuperate ahead of a busy period. So you don't see a hometown winner in, in Austria? Well, Mensor is, is definitely a candidate. I mean, obviously, he, he was eliminated from the Premier League a couple of weeks ago and that has, has affected his um, participation on the Pro Tour. Mensor obviously has to travel a lot, living in Austria every week and something had to give. So he skipped a lot of these Pro Tour events, but now he's been eliminated. He's playing much more frequently. He played really well throughout the whole Premier League and... We saw Max Hopp, a hometown winner in, in Saarbrücken. There's no reason why we can't see another one. Mentzel's already won a European Tour title, so he could be a real danger this week. Yeah, yeah and he he plays Christo Reyes in the last 16 tomorrow. Which isn't isn't the toughest time. I mean, Christo's coming into back into a little bit of form, beat Yella Klassen today, but I think Mentzel will be confident of reaching the quarterfinals for yeah, sure. Yeah, agreed. Gents, for those um, who might want to follow um, the uh, Austrian Darts Open, uh, is there any way that they can watch uh, the games? Yeah, I think if you've got a Bet365 account, the games are streamed on Bet365, or alternatively, you can subscribe to the PDC's live channel. I think it's £50 for the year, is that right? Yeah, I think it's £50 for the year or £4.99 a month. Yeah, all the games but, streamed live, really fantastic. I'd recommend it for all yeah. those Dart fans out there. But if you don't, you can go to their website and it does list all the sites that will stream the tournament yeah. uh, for you. Okay, moving on. Uh, we had Players' Championship 7 and Players' Championship 8 uh, fittingly taking place on April the 7th and April the 8th, Josh. Yeah, the weekend before, obviously, the European Tour event in Saarbrück. And I mentioned about Max Hopp reaching back-to-back quarterfinals and that was obviously the tournament he came back into form. But we mentioned Max becoming a first-time PDC senior title winner. And the same could be said for Mickey Mansell. He had a fantastic run to his first ever Pro Tour final on the Sunday. And in his first ever final, producer Goods beating Adrian Lewis. It was an incredible day from Mickey Mansell. Bearing in mind, he's always been a good professional, good solid player, beating a lot of top players. But throughout the whole day in seven matches, he dropped just 11 legs. He whitewashed Kim Hybrex in the first round, then whitewashed Gary Eastwood, then beat Alan Norris, Robert Thornton, Gerwin Bryce, Josh Payne to reach the final, where he defeated Adrian Lewis. I mean, Adrian also reached the final of Saturday's event, where he lost out to Michael Smith, who picked up his second Pro Tour title of the year. So, great weekend for Adrian Lewis 
in terms of £20,000 in his pocket. Will have been disappointed to lose both finals, but he's the player coming back into form. But yeah, I think real props to Mickey Mansell because he's been a really good, solid professional now for the last decade or so, and it's great for him to have his moment in the sun. Yeah, some good performances uh, in and around um, outside of the Premier League. Uh, and it's always a good place to watch uh, some of the players who have perhaps been out of form and are, and are obviously not included uh, in the Premier League this year. People like, you know, the likes of James Wade and Adrian Lewis to, to see how they're getting on and perhaps get a little look at them for the for the upcoming majors and also the World Championships. Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to say fair play to both Adrian and James Wade. They had really poor 2017s. I don't think neither pl- either player could really grumble that they're omitted from the Premier League, but they've both bounced back well. They haven't complained, they haven't moaned. They've just focused on trying to get their form back. Wade has been really, really good on the European Tour. Lewis has reached two Pro Tour finals, so the signs are encouraging for both of them. They've both got so much ability, and in darting terms, they're still both young men, both in their early 30s. So I've got no doubt that they'll be bouncing back, and there'll be real threats at the upcoming major tournaments. So outside of the Premier League, um, obviously we just discussed that the Austrian Darts Open is currently in progress with the final happening uh, on Sunday evening. What else have we got coming up, Josh, uh, outside of the Premier League? We've got another set of players' championship events taking place in Wigan. We've got no Raymond van Barneveld, and then we've got, I think it's another European Tour event on the calendar the weekend after. I'm not quite sure where it's being held, but we'll... <laughs> We'll find out. Okay, well, safe to say there is plenty of darts action coming up. So um, keep your eyes glued uh, onto uh, the PDC website. And of course, uh, follow at Josh's Dartistry on Twitter. Uh, go to Facebook, check out Josh's Dartistry, the Facebook page. And of course, log on to www.joshysdartistry.com. Okay, it is now time for this. That's right, it is Josh's crystal ball. Uh, This is the point in the show where we like to give our predictions as well as look back uh, at the predictions that we've been sent in um, and see how you guys have got on taking us on. What we like to do is we give our predictions on each Premier League night. Uh, We invite the JDP listeners to also compete against us. Now how that works is we select one person at random. We've got a random uh, number generator that we use to pick that person and that person represents the JDP listener in the league table we also look at all of the uh, submissions from you guys and we have a weekly winner who uh, whoever wins that is the proud recipient of the brand new Josh's Dartistry mug now if you've been on Twitter you'll have uh, probably seen a picture of the mug so we're going to cross over to Neil now who's going to tell us how we fared on judgment night Neil okay week one which was judgment night the overall winner was myself with Congratulations, Neil. Thank you. With 12 points, I'm kicking myself that I didn't back myself uh, with my correct score bets, as I normally do. I would have won a few quid. Unfortunately, I didn't back it. So, I won the first week. The listener who scored the highest number of points was at DartsFan7. Many congratulations. Well done, who scored seven points. And... If you can get in contact with us um, and, and send us your address, we do want to send your JDP mug all the way to Holland. 
uh, who's paying the postage on that? You. Fantastic. Okay, uh, so that concludes Judgment Night picks. Uh, we move on to the following week. What happened with Sheffield, Neil? Sheffield was won on five points by the JDP listener that was randomly selected that week. Who is at animal underscore 115? Well done, animal. Friend of the show, animal. Many congratulations. The winner of the JDP mug with six points is at Katie Dean 2014. Who is also John's wife? Oh, dear. Fix. <laughs> Carve up. I feel a steward's inquiry coming. Listen, she's over the moon. She's received the mug. Uh, she's very, very happy. Um, she's not as happy uh, anymore because of the results from uh, from Holland. She's a she's a big Michael Van Gerwen fan. But, um, yeah, the fact that she won the uh, the prediction league that week, she's, uh, she's very happy, and a happy wife makes me very happy. So, uh, congratulations, darling. Well done, Katie. Okay, moving on. Uh, we've combined weeks of uh, set of results three and four, which were the Rotterdam Wednesday and Rotterdam Thursday matches. The winner was myself. Oh. With a very healthy eight points. Josh, we're never going to catch him. You know that. You might buckle. Liverpool slipped up a few years ago when they were in the top. <laughs> Literally. Let's not go there, please. (laughs) And the listener with the highest number of points, nine points, is Colin Church, who's also our musician. And coincidentally is also John's father-in-law. Well, this is just getting embarrassing now because two of my family members have won the mugs and and people are going to think this is all a bit of a fit-up, really, surely. Disgrace. It's a disgrace. Anyway. Should we look at the league table? Uh, I'd rather not. Colin, we'll be getting your mug. We'll be getting your mug, whisking it uh, over to you uh, very, very shortly so you can have uh, a nice cup of tea while you're coming up with our next jingle. Yeah, go on, Neil. Give us a league table. Okay, so we'll go in reverse order. Uh, in fourth place, with 11 points, is John. A creditable 11 points, I, I-, I think. Um, I'm not sure I'd go that far. Okay, in third place, with 13 points, is our resident expert... Josh. How are you feeling about that, Josh? I'd like to give you all a chance, don't I? I you know, I'll come I'll come good at the latter stage of the season. I'll come good. Bill like Barney. Well, he's already coming good. In second place, with 14 points, is the JDP listeners. Well done. Well done, the listeners. And with a 10-point gap, clear at the top, is myself with 24 points. So let's surmise, uh, around this table, Neil knows the most about darts. Correct. Uh, the Josh's Dartistry podcast listener knows the second most amount about darts. Correct. Uh, Josh Gorton, our resident expert, is in third position. And uh, I am sitting at the bottom of the league. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's the, uh, the results from the last three rounds of Premier League picks. We're now going to move on uh, and look ahead to next week. Um, Premier League, as we mentioned earlier, coming all the way from Manchester. Uh, we have one, two, three, four, five games, obviously. Uh, night 14. And we begin, Josh, with uh, Peter Wright versus Michael Smith. Shouldn't we let our resident expert Neil over here go uh, first? Um, okay. Uh, Peter Wright hitting form. 7-5 Peter Wright Josh 
tough game this because Michael Smith, if he loses, is under a little bit of pressure. I think it's going to be tight. I am going to sit on the fence and go for a six-all draw. Uh, I fancy uh, Peter Wright to win this. He's, he's he's getting stronger and stronger and stronger now. And uh, I've gone the same way as Neil. I've gone Peter Wright 7, Smith 5. Uh, next game is Daryl Gurney versus Michael Van Gerwen. Josh. Michael Van Gerwen is going to be a wounded animal after losing back-to-back nights in Rotterdam. Gurney still in with a chance of the playoffs, but I can only see Van Gerwen coming out a winner here. He's, he's had the weekend off in Austria to prepare for this. I am going Michael Van Gerwen to win 7-3. OK, over to you, Neil. I agree with Josh. I think we'll see uh, a return to form of the world number one, 7-3 MVG. Yeah, and I've picked uh, 7-3 to MVG as well, so uh, all in the round there. <laughs> Don't give me daggers from across the table. Listen, I wrote mine down 20 minutes ago. Look, there they are on the sheet. I'm not copying anybody. Yeah, I wrote mine down half an hour ago and then left the room. Right, you're I've, t- just, I've made mine up as we go. You're top of the league. Yep. Pipe down. Ten points clear. Okay, next match up. Uh, let's go to Neil first. Uh, Simon Whitlock versus Gary Anderson. What you got? As I said earlier, I think Whitlock... Um, is, is kind of resigned to his fate. I think we've seen some excellent form from Gary uh, over the past few weeks, and I've gone 7-2 to Gary. <laughs> so have I. Josh? Shock. <laughs> I haven't seen any of your predictions, and I was going to go for the same, but I can't. I'm going to say <coughs> Gary Anderson beats Simon Whitlock 7-4. Okay, right, I'm going to go first on this one to stop me being accused of uh, all sorts of nonsense. Next game is Raymond Van Barneveld versus Rob Cross. Um, I can't separate them. I've gone for a six-all draw. Neil? To spite Josh, I'm going Rob Cross 7-5. Controversial. Josh? This is a tough one. They've met four times in the past and Rob Cross has won on every single occasion. Barney, maybe a little bit of a come down for Raymond, obviously leaving Rotterdam. He'll still get a lot of support in Manchester. I'm going to sit on the fence and say six all draw here. Okay, and then we move on to the last match of the night. The two guys who are playing twice, uh, Michael Smith versus MVG. Uh, Just looking at my notes, I can't see anything other than a Van Gerwen win. Pretty comprehensive. I'm going for Smith four, Van Gerwen seven. Neil, what you got? Smith three, Van Gogh in seven. Josh? I think the how the first game goes will have a big impact on both players, but Van Gerwen has always had a lot of success in the past in double headers. I think he's actually going to run out a 7-2 winner here against Michael Smith. Okay, so pretty comprehensive wins for Van Gerwen uh, for the last match of the night. That concludes uh, our Premier League picks and that concludes uh, this week's episode of Josh's Crystal Ball. Uh, Don't forget, we really, really want to hear from you guys, the JDP listener. You can compete uh, alongside us. We randomly select one of you uh, who sent in your answers to compete with us and represent the JDP listener in the league table. And whoever gets the most points out of all the submissions is the winner of the new Josh's Dartistry mug. So don't forget, you can get in contact with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Josh's Dartistry. You can check out the Josh's Dartistry Facebook page and you can also go onto the Josh's Dartistry website. That's www.joshesdartistry.com. Talking to social media, you can also follow me on Twitter. My personal account is at DeanZ, that's D-E-A-N-Z-E-Y and Neil's personal uh, Twitter account is at 
at 10 underscore chief one. So that's at one zero underscore chief one. That's the number one. So if any of you guys want to follow us on Twitter, you are more than welcome. Hi, this is Rod Stone from Sky Sports and you're listening to Josh's Darcy Street Podcast. Okay, it's now time for this. Cool, what are the odds? Okay, let's throw it over to our resident odds expert, Mr. Neil Connor. Neil, what you got for us this week? Okay, so we've had our Premier League picks. Um, so let's look at the odds for the matches next week in the in, in the Premier League. Uh, Peter Wright versus Michael Smith. Peter Wright is eleven to ten with Paddy Power. All these odds are, are from Paddy Power. Uh, Michael Smith seventeen to ten, and the draw three to one. That could be an interesting bet. Moving on. Daryl Gurney versus Michael Van Gerwen. Gurney is a, a big six to one. That's that's huge. It is, but we're I think the bookies like us are expecting the uh the the resurgent Michael Van Gerwen this week after his weekend off and his bad bad form in Rotterdam. Yeah, Josh used the term wounded animal um earlier. Yep. I think that could be uh, I think that really could be the case. Or <laughs> yep. or it could not be the case and uh, he might be on a bit of a downward spiral. I don't think I've ever seen Michael Van Gerwen lose three consecutive exactly. Premier League games. I'm not saying it can't happen, but you know anything can happen in this Premier League. Raymond Van Barnwell was a seven to one shot against Van Gerwen last week. We all saw what happened there. So yep. never write Gurney off. He's got the ability. And let's not forget Van Gerwen's playing twice as well. So uh, the pressure's on in in two big games really. But Paddy Power very strong on Van Gerwen three to ten for him to take uh, to take Gurney out with the draw at nine to two. Okay, the wizard Simon Whitlock up against the flying Scotsman Gary Anderson. What you got, Neil? Again, heavy favourite Gary, uh, one to three with Paddy Power to win. Uh, the wizard Simon Whitlock, eleven to two. Again, big odds, uh, and the draw nine to two. So again, very heavy favourite with Paddy Power, Gary Anderson. What do you fancy in that, Josh? I know you've given us your pick, but um, how do you see that one panning out? I mean, I, I've, early in the season, I, I predicted Simon Whitlock to, to get relegated, and he proved me wrong emphatically. He produced some really good performances, but in Whitlock and against Downton, you've got the form player in the league against the player most out of form. Whitlock's lost his, his last four matches now, winning just six legs in the process. So he's, he's in woeful form. Anderson, by comparison, won his last four. I can only see one winner here, if I'm honest. Okay, Neil, tell me about Raymond Van Barneveld versus Rob Cross. The standout here is Josh's prediction of the draw, 10 to 3, which I think offers some some really good value. Uh, Rob Cross, 8 to 11, uh, and RVB, 13 to 5. So nice odds for RVB, nice odds for the draw. Uh, and Josh, if you want to back the draw, it's 10 to 3. Good odds. Th- th- those odds for Barney must have shifted massively after uh, after his uh, his you know his heroics in yeah. in Rotterdam. I think had he had a couple of um, not bad results, but maybe not got both the wins um, across Rotterdam. I think that you would have seen a much much larger odds from uh, from the bookies for for Raymond Van Barneveld. Uh, last match of the night: Michael Smith uh, in his second game against Michael Van Gerwen in his second game. Neil again, Van Gerwen heavily fancied by uh, Paddy Power. Um, same odds as as, as the Daryl Gurney game, so three to ten for Van Gerwen to take out Smith. Michael Smith, a very large six to one, uh, and the draw nine to two. So Gurney and Smith, both tough competitors for Van Gerwen, um, but 
outsiders with the bookies. Yeah, tough competitor, but um, six to one for Smith again. Uh, for those of you that, that didn't see the, the Peter Wright and the Raymond Van Barneveld victories against Michael Van Gerwen, if, uh, as I mentioned before, if you like me and you like a bit of value, I think that's that might be your bet. Yeah, Michael Smith, to be fair to him, obviously he's lost two of his last three games, but before that he whitewashed Raymond Van Barneveld 7-0, he, and he's playing really well on the, on the European Tour. He's already beaten Van Gerwen in a UK Open qualifier this year, so don't write Michael Smith off. I think he's one of those players when he gets in the zone that can get a real run going. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, six to one. Um, I still fancy MVG. I do as well, um, but it's, it could be worth a punt if you like a bit yeah, of value. Absolutely. Okay, so moving on to the winner of the Premier League. Not too much movement in these odds. Again, the world number one, Michael Van Gerwen, um, still odds on at four to seven to win the Premier League. No real movement uh, since the last show. Gary Anderson four to one, and Rob Cross five to one. Uh, Michael Smith now fourteen to one, with Gurney forty to one, Peter Wright fifty to one, and the two outsiders RVB at sixty six to one, and Simon Whitlock a very large one hundred and fifty to one. Excellent stuff. Okay, so that's Premier League. I've uh, got one. Actually, I've got one more. Uh, yeah, go. One more be- uh, bet. So. Gary Anderson, as we know, wired a, a nine data on, on, on double 12 on, on Wednesday night. Um, if you fancy there will be a nine data before the end of the tournament, it's five to four for there to be and eight to 13 for there not to be. Let's be honest, we need the nine data. I mean, we I, do. I was on the edge of my seat the other night when he, when he you know, missed double 12. Uh, and I was thinking back to how long it had been since uh, we, we'd seen a nine data in the Premier League, Josh. Yeah, the last two nine darters in the Premier League have been hit by a man who's not in it this year, Adrian Lewis. He hit one last year against Rami Van Barneveld, year before against James Wade. It's amazing we haven't had one yet when you consider the likes of Van Gogh and Anderson Smith. They're so prolific on the 180s. But we could see one, but the pressure's getting on a lot of players now. We're getting to the crunch point of the season and that's when a lot of players can tighten up. That's yep. when the nerves creep in. Mm-hmm. So I think it could be tough. They're like Someone like Peter Wright, for example, who may start to relax now. His, his Premier League playoff hopes are nearly nearly over. He could be one who just rises to the occasion, not a lot of pressure on him. He could produce it. But five to four is quite short with only a f- three weeks left. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I agree. I agree. So eight to thirteen. If you th- if you think there won't be a nine data, it's interesting. Uh, the uh, the conversation I hear in uh, uh, around people who are close to the players, uh, um, both on social media and in, social media and in person, you do hear it said a lot. They hit a lot of nine darters in practice. Yeah. Um, I do hear that phrase mentioned quite a lot. So it's quite interesting that it that doesn't always. Don't get me wrong. I don't expect them in every game and night after night. But it's quite interesting that just recently that hasn't converted itself into the live stage. Yeah, you see, you see, awfully following the pro tours, European tours. Well, there hasn't been one on the European tour for over five years now, which is incredible. But a lot of the players' championship events, the floor events, you see almost one hit every weekend now. They hit so regularly. So, yeah, I think the last one on TV has not been hit for quite a while. So, listen, with the, with the quality you've got in this year's Premier League, the prolific 180 hitters, there can definitely be a nine data. But we might have to wait a little bit longer, I think, for that one. Okay, Neil, anything else odds wise? Just a couple of things that caught my eye with um, Skybet in their request to bets market. Uh, Adrian Lewis to win a major in 2018. I know Josh mentioned him earlier uh, and his two uh, runners-up performances at at the Players' Championship. Uh, Six to one to win a major before the end of 2018. Not bad at all. No, not bad. I mean, Adrian, he, he hasn't had the best of 2017s, but he started he started the year well. But there's so many players now that are capable of winning majors. You've got the likes of Van Gerwen, obviously Anderson, Rob Cross, Peter Wright, Barney. 
it's going to be tough. But Adrian, he's definitely got the talent. Listen, former world champion, you know, that's not to be sniffed at. I always think anyone who's who's got a CV, you know, such as the likes of Lewis, is, is in with a shout at any major that they attend. Definitely. Uh, and the other one that caught my eye, uh, two up-and-coming Premier League players, Daryl Gurney and Michael Smith, both to win a major in 2018, 16-1. Well, Daryl won one last year, the World Grand Prix, and yeah. Michael Smith, to be fair, the way he started this year, you wouldn't put it past him. No. So, yeah, that's, that's a decent, decent fair, value, yeah. I think. Okay, so that is our odd section. If you do fancy a little gamble, then Neil's picks uh, for the upcoming weeks. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, with regards to the odd section and any gambling, we do advise you to gamble responsibly. And of course, gentlemen, when the fun stops, stop. stop. Cool, what are the odds? Okay, it's now time for my favourite part of the show. That's right. It's time for Challenge Josh, uh, our eagerly anticipated section. Josh, the uh, the pilot episode that we did, I thought you you did very well uh, on the questions regarding those who formed the uh, breakaway PDC in 1993. I thought you performed very, very well. And from the people that I've spoken to, they were, they were quite impressed by you. I think you got 11, was it, Neil, 11. if you remember? Yep. 11, 11 and, correct. And considering he wasn't born at the time, I think he did very well. Yeah, so uh, slightly different question this week. Uh, Neil's been beavering away over the last couple of weeks working out uh, a suitable question to ask you and test your darting knowledge so neil what do we got we've got a very nervous looking josh for one yeah those of you that can't see him around the table he does look very anxious and uh, for uh, the last few days he's been asking me to try and get hints of uh of what this is going to be about. Obviously, we've not told him anything, um, but he is looking decidedly anxious. I think I think once we're uh, a few months or maybe even a year or so down the line, we might one day do a video cast oh, and, uh, no. and film this and we can see Josh shaking I've, nervously I've, at the table. I've got a faith for radio, John. <laughs> okay, Neil, what we got? Okay, so I've, I'm really looking forward to this one, I have to say. So there, this, this week, uh, or this episode, I should say, there are 15 questions. Oh, my word. And basically what will happen is I will read some lyrics from a walk-on song and I want Josh to tell me whose walk-on music it is. Is, now, there, is there bonus points for uh, name of the song and artist? Um, well, no. <laughs> it's a stretching I'm not bit. an X Factor fan. <laughs> Let, let's just ask him for the, uh, for the darts player. Okay. I think it's going to be... Hard enough as as the questions go on, so I think they start easy and and they do get harder. Um, and obviously, we're not listening to the music, and I'll be reading the lyrics. So um, you're going to have to concentrate. What one thing I would say, Josh, is listen very carefully to the lyrics, because even though you might not know the song, you may pick up a hint as to who the player would be. Thank you for that word of wisdom, Neil. And don't forget, do play along at home and uh, and give yourself a score and let us know how you get on. Uh, tweet us at Joshy's Dartistry. Right, Neil, are we ready for question one? We are. So question one, I will start. Oh, don't you dare look back. Just keep your eyes on me. I said you're holding back. 
She said, shut up and dance with me. The woman is Michael my... Michael Smith. Okay. Mm. Straight in. <laughs> uh, are, we, uh, are we allowing that to, uh, to stand as an answer? I think so. Well done. Okay, first one correct. Well done, Josh. Okay, let's move on to question number... He's making notes, Neil. What's he writing down over there? I'm writing who I've already said, so I don't say the same person. Well, we might go for verse one at one stage and verse two for the for the next one. No, I'm winding you up. Okay, here we go. Question number two. Okay, next song. Do you come from a land down under? Simon Whitlock. This is... Uh... Yeah, I hope they get get a little bit tougher now, if there's, I'm honest. There's an air of confidence. Confidence oh. or arrogance? Uh, it's a fine line between the two. <laughs> I'd say confidence at the moment. Big grin on his face, less anxiety. Um, let's, let's make it a little bit harder later on. Okay, question number three. I call you when I need you, when my heart's on fire. You come to me, come to me, wild and wired. Brow is looking furrowed. Can you repeat the repeat the lyrics, please, Neil? I call you when I need you, when my heart's on fire. You come to me, come to me, wild and wired. Now, if you listen to the music, you would get this immediately. So this is why it's a bit tricky. Am I allowed to answer if he doesn't get it? Because I don't have the answers in front of me. I don't know if I want to give you the satisfaction. I'm not. <laughs> this is flummoxed me. I'm going to say... Yellow Classen, but I'm not convinced with that. Incorrect. Go on, John. Uh, that is simply the best. Correct. Oh, Mensa. Gentle Mensa. I'm not. A t- I'm not a Tina Turner lover, though. Unfortunately. I reckon there's loads of JDP listeners screaming the answer. Um, than the uh, well, not than the phone, but. But you're no Tina Turner, Neil. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> okay, so uh, one incorrect. Are you keeping score, Neil? Are you what, or, what, keeping score for how many I'm gets? So just score. so we get a, a final score for Josh at the end. I of I am quiz. also keeping score just in case, um, you know. Okay, are we ready for number four? Yep. Here we go. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, then I flow that a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. That is a tough one. I'm going to say go in price with the ice blink. To the extreme, I walk a mic like a vandal. Lab a stage of wax, choke like a candle. Dance when I speak of that bones, I'm killing your brain like a pot. Okay, yeah, that's for That quick. was abhorrent. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a word I never thought we'd use on this podcast. It was Gerwin Price. Well done, 2018 uh, Premier League debutant. Ice, ice baby. Okay, uh, question number five. People in the party, hot, hot, hot. People in the party, hot, hot, hot. They come to the party knowing what they got. They come to the party knowing what they got. I'm hot, you're hot, he's hot, she's hot. I hot, you're hot, he's hot, she's not. They like a party, don't they? Whoever that is. <laughs> Peter Wright, don't, don't stop the party. I don't know. 
it was actually Voltage Rob Cross, the 2018 PDC World Listen, I'm a big fan, Rob, but that that walk-on song has got to go, mate. Do you not think it? Do you not think it matches his his demeanour and his persona? Well, no, because you have the you have the Undertaker theme tune, and then he comes on to feeling hot. It doesn't really doesn't really go to me. <laughs> he doth protest too much, I think, Neil. Absolutely. Okay, next one, number six. Getting a little bit harder, I think. Oh, charming. Is is that a lyric or a? a... No, 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 no. Sorry. These are the these are the lyrics. I finally got to talk to you, and I told you exactly how I felt. Then I held you close to me, and kissed you, and my heart began to melt. Girl, you've got control of me. What the hell is that? <laughs> Josh nearly swore. Josh nearly swore. <laughs> Sounds like some sort of corny poem, not a walk Again, it's song. another one. If you heard the song, you would get instantly. Well, can you repeat the lyric for me? I finally got to talk to you, and I told you just exactly how I felt. Then I held you close to me and kissed you, and my heart began to melt. Girl, you've got control of me. I haven't got a Scooby-Doo. Not a clue. Absolute tumbleweed. <laughs> Neil, what was that? It's Dave Chisnell. Chizzy. The, the BDO World Championship runner-up from 2010. Dizzy. By the Wonder Stuff. Not on my um, Spotify playlist. <sighs> How many has he got right so far? Uh, three out of six so far. 50% Josh, and they're only getting harder now <laughs> as well. <laughs> this is very difficult. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. This is what number is this, Josh? Uh, Neil? Uh, number seven. Okay, question. So what, can I just ask, what relevance does this have to dance? It's very. Listen, the walk-on is a very, very important part. It is of, a very important part of the darting festival, Josh. But that's why they play the music. They don't have Neil Reed now every <laughs> night. <laughs> well, do you know what? We did debate singing them, um, but we decided that the JDP listener didn't really need to be well, subjected you're a to big, that. You're so. a big singing fan, John. You know, you've got your own band and all that. I have. You can follow us at Roundabout Zoo on Twitter. Oh, We're available for hire, parties, weddings, and bar mitzvahs. Do get in touch. Um, but yeah, moving on, Neil. Uh, what number are we at now? Number seven. Question and number Josh, seven. Josh, pay particular attention to the lyrics. Okay. In touch with the ground, I'm on the hunt, down I'm after you. Smell like I sound, I'm lost in a crowd, and I'm hungry like the wolf. That last one's done. It's got to be Martin Adams, isn't it? It is Wolfie, the three-time BDO world champion. Oh, 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 oh. Legend. Dead giveaway. Okay, question number eight. Ready? I think so. Sha la 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 la. <laughs> is this? Oh my. Keep on going. Sha la 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 la. How many beers it's, you had, Neil? It's very difficult to read. Sha la 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 la. And Marie, who waits for me? Peter Manley. Correct. Well done, Peter. One dark manly, the three-time PDC World Championship runner-up. Okay, well done, Josh. Here we go with the next question. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. Ronnie Baxter. Don't stop me now. Confident on that one. Big Very, fan of that song, it was, Queen. It was the Rocket Ronnie Baxter, the 1998 World Match Play finalist. Very good, Josh. Okay, how many have you got so far? 
Uh, he's got f- six. Josh's Cooper score. Six out of nine. Not bad. Good. So he's improved slightly. He's recovered himself. Okay. Question number ten, please, Neil. Again, lyrics, Josh. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Matty told Hattie a thing she saw had two big horns and a woolly jaw. Do you want me to read? Terry Jenkins. Correct, the ball. Well done, the 54-year-old ball and world championship semi-finalist from 2011. My band, Roundabout Zoo, we actually play that song. You can follow us on Twitter, at Roundabout Zoo. Moving on. Thanks, Neil. I think these are now starting to get much harder. Oh, lovely. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. You said said, said these were getting harder. There is a catch with this question. Oh, God, what? Hang on. Who, and there are two players that I'm aware of, have this walk-on song who are not Raymond Van Barneveld? I think I've got it. Dennis Harbour and Wayne Warren. They are not the two answers on my sheet. Well, they do. They do both walk onto it because I have, I have voiced my disapproval on. <laughs> Can we have a stewards, please? Stewards. So. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at you, Josh. They do. I want to. I want to stop this now. Let's do a bit of research. Dennis Harbour, Wayne Warren, I the Tiger, BDO. Look it up. Josh, you're wrong. I, I, I tell you what we'll do we'll we'll look that up and we'll clarify that by the end of the show I can't believe something that's supposed to be a bit of fun we're getting into stewards this inquiries is, this is serious business John <laughs> so my reputation's on the line here so other than the obvious Van Barneveld uh, and who did you have Ever, uh, Peter Everson uh, the Fen Tiger winner of the 1989 World Masters and 1996 World Match Play and Andy Jenkins also known as Rocky uh, and currently ranked number 70 in the world. Well, yeah, let's do a bit of research afterwards. I want to clarify on that. (laughs) That's a direct challenge, Neil. It's all got very serious over here. (laughs) Oh, the aggression. Should we move on? We should. Okay, next question, please, Neil. Huh, because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Dimitri Vandenberg. Well, I'm looking for another player. Oh, controversy again. Dimitri Vandenberg walks on to Happy. Okay, so who's the second player? Well, I don't know because I'm focused on Dimitri Vandenberg. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to do it, do it it properly. This show is not all about the PDC. He's doing it on technicalities here. I think the majority of my listeners will back me up here. Dimitri Vandenberg. Yep, so who from the BDO... Oh. <laughs> this has got rather messy. <laughs> I don't know from the BDO. I'm, I'm, I'm only talking BDC. Here. Ladies BDO. Ladies BDO. Okay. Um, Lorraine Winstanley. Great shout, Josh. So well do I done. get two points for that? Because they're both correct. <laughs> no. So, so, so from now on... If you let me finish reading the lyrics, okay. 
He, yeah, he's a quick on the old trigger there, isn't he, on exactly. occasion? And then uh, if there is an extra element to the question, I will let you know. Okay, I'll let you finish. Thank you. It's palpable in here. You can cut it with a knife. Okay, how many questions you got left, Neil? Uh, three. Okay, three to go. Here we go. Who let the dogs out? Woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Who let the dogs out? Woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Josh nearly swore again. Who let the dogs out? Woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> can, can I just have more of Neil woofing, please? <laughs> He's gone barking mad. <laughs> I'm looking for a player from the BDO. Scott Mitchell. Of course it is. Scotty Dog Mitchell from the BDO. Well done. <laughs> Neil, that was brilliant. <laughs> Never knew you were so talented with uh, animal impressions. A little sideline for you. Okay, we've got two to go, Neil, yeah? Uh, two to go, yeah. Two to go. Okay, here we go. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. You think I do yourself, don't you? Woof. Is this is this BDO or PDC? He's played in both. I think at the moment, currently with the BDO. Do you know the song, Josh? I do know the song. Do you know what the song is called? I don't actually. I don't. Do you know who the song's by? No, but I know, right. I know, I've heard the song. Let me give you a clue. The song is "I'm Too Sexy," and it's by Right Said Fred. Does that help? Right Said Fred. I've heard this. I just can't put. Uh, he's a BDO. A he's a BDO world champion. BDO world champion, but it ain't Ted Anke, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> BDO world champion. Scott Waits. <laughs> Incorrect. It is the Viking Andy Fordham. Andy Fordham. Well, no comment. Too sexy for his shirt. 2004 BDO champion. Okay, uh, unlucky Josh. So we've got one more, Neil. Was that right? Yep, one more to go. Okay, here we go with the, uh, the last one. Are we ready? Poor old Johnny Ray sounded sad upon the radio, but he moved a million hearts in mono. Our mothers cried... Sang along, who'd blame them? Very famous song. Poor old Johnny Ray sounded sad upon the radio, but he moved a million hearts in mono. Our mothers cried, sang along, who'd blame them? This is a ladies BDO player. Can you repeat? Sorry, repeat the lyrics again for me. Poor old Johnny Ray. Sounded sad upon the radio, but he moved a million hearts in mono. Our mothers cried, sang along, who'd blame them? Very famous song. Do you know this one, John? I know the name of the song and I know the name of the artist. Yeah. However, I'm struggling to remember the darts player that uses it, if I'm deadly honest. Well, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not Dita Edmund, because I think she uses the same one as Rob Cross, feeling hot. Um, it's hopefully not Lorraine Winstan. Can I, can, I, can I say the name of the song and the artist, see if that yep, helps, Josh? Yep, yep. So the song is Come On Eileen. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. Eileen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the artist is Dex's Midnight Runners. I have to say, that's done me a big favour. It's Eileen DeGraff. That is correct. Well done, Josh. So how many did he get, Neil? 11. <laughs> Sorry, Neil's, Neil's, Neil, Neil said that without moving his lips. I think he's got 10 out of 14, and there is a steward's inquiry yes. about one of the other questions. I'll so, take that. So when are you, you going to go and do your research, Neil, and we let us know the answer? We will come back and let you know by the end of the show. <clears throat> Okay, well that concludes uh, that concludes this episode's uh, challenge, Josh. Josh, well done. I think you can hold your head up high. I think you've done very, very well uh, considering, but <laughs> it did get a little bit tetchy <laughs> in places. And uh, perhaps uh, next time Neil will stick to some like I don't know averages or darting stats or something like Probably that. Probably best. <laughs> okay, well done, Josh. Okay, before we continue, dear listener, uh, I have to inform you that uh, after Challenge Josh then, we did pause uh, recording the show, and we've been on the internet, we've been on to Google, and uh, we've done some digging, uh, because there was obviously quite a little bit of controversy in Challenge Josh there, uh, a couple of contentious uh, issues, and uh, we've made an interesting discovery, and at this juncture, I'd like to hand it over to Mr. Neil Connor. <laughs> <laughs> He's livid. <laughs> okay, I can confirm that both Dennis Harbour and Wayne Warren have used the walk-on music Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. And as a result, Josh has got that question correct. Thank you, Neil, and I accept your apology. <laughs> You might be waiting a while. Josh, many congratulations. Uh, an improved score there. And uh, once again, absolutely fantastic effort for Challenge Josh. I'm just happy just as if done, John. <laughs> so am I, mate. I don't, listen, I, I know what you two are like. You'll be banging on about this for weeks if we didn't clarify it and get it correct in the end. Someone in our research department has just been fired as well. So. <laughs> you mean you? Yes. You're listening to Josh's Dartistry. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook by going to the Josh's Dartistry page. You can follow us on Twitter at Josh's Dartistry or go to the website www.joshesdartistry.com for all the latest news and insight into the world of darts. You can also leave us a comment or a question via our voicemail box. Just call 07739 738 329 and leave us a message and we may play it live on air. Now back to the show. Okay, it's time for our In the News section. Uh, we're looking at news stories that uh, perhaps you guys may have missed uh, in the last couple of weeks relating to the darting world. Over to Mr. Neil Connor. Thank you, John. Um, first one that's caught my eye is uh, a bit of BDO news. 
uh, and it's to do with the cancellation of the French Open for 2018. Uh, so I think this was scheduled for the end of August, uh, and the French Federation of Darts have, have just communicated to say um, after the change of uh, planned date, there, there are issues with the, the hosting club, uh, and as a result, they've regretfully had to cancel the, the French Open. Now, this is a, a tournament whose previous winners include Scott Mitchell, Alan Norris, Martin Adams and, and, and Mervyn King. So some sad news uh, in terms of the French Open for, for 2018, hoping that we'll see that back in 2019. So we're looking at a, a relatively big tournament there with all the, the yep. main players in the in the BDO uh, generally taking part in that. That's, uh, that is sad news indeed. Josh? Yeah, it's disappointing news for all involved, but it, it seems like that was the only decision they were able to take. It's not ideal, but let's hope it returns for 2019. OK, Neil, what's next? What we got? OK, this is, to, uh, this is from dartsnews.com, uh, and it's to do with world number one Michael Van Gerwen uh, and his pledge to raise money for two charities, uh, one for Make-A-Wish and also Be Gamble Aware Foundation. Um, so he's, he's pledged... £100 for every 180 um, that he scores in the Premier League of darts. Uh, so, so far, after nine rounds of darts, he's raised £7,100 uh, for those two charities. So, good effort from uh, the world number one. And, and hopefully many more 180s over the next few weeks. Yeah, the Make-A-Wish Foundation um, is, a, is a charity that's become really well known over the last few years. It's been, it's been around for quite a while, but um, it's, it's frequently in the news. Make-A-Wish, they, um, they do lots of things for uh, young children and they arrange for uh, the kids to go out on days out. It can be quite sort of low-key, just sort of trips out, but it can also be like meeting um, some of their, you know, heroes um, in and around the sort of, well, not just sporting world, it can be from the world of film, television, and and anything else. Make a Wish Foundation. Um, they are um, they're all over the world, really. I mean, the Make a Wish, the American arm of the Make a Wish Foundation is absolutely enormous. But it's interesting to note that the amount distributed uh, is going to be fairly distributed, should I say, fairly between uh, the Dutch and the British departments um, of the Make a Wish Foundation. So that's absolutely fantastic. I've heard them mention it in commentary a couple of times um, about um, Michael's um, Michael's attempts. Uh, and the and the amount of 180s that he's get so it's an absolutely fantastic charity uh, it's an absolutely fantastic thing that Michael's doing and uh, I for one can only uh, applaud him for his efforts Josh yeah fantastic fantastic um, gesture from Michael Van Gerwen not only is he an incredible player but he, he also really has a good heart and this is like say fantastic to see I'm I remember when he played Mensal Silovic on Judgment Night, I think he had about nine 180s, and he was just determined to hit as many as he possibly could to raise as much money as he can. It's fantastic to see these players giving something back. So, yeah, big big props to Marco Van Gerwen. OK, Neil, what else you got for us? OK, the, the next one I touched on this earlier is, uh, is a, a sad piece of news about Darren Webster uh, and something that took place um, during the Players' Championship 7 <coughs> Um, so uh, Darren, uh, the demolition man, uh, had just lost in the last 32 uh, of the P- this PDC event, um, 6-5 to Max Hop, uh, and he was on his way back to the hotel where he was confronted by some football supporters who inquired as to whether he was a football supporter, uh, to which he responded no, that he was a darts player, uh, and he was headbutted. Um, uh, fortunately, Darren... Um, is is okay and was okay um, and was able to uh, take his place in the Players' Championship 8 uh, that was held on the Sunday. But not great news. Um, a totally unprovoked attack 
on, on, on Darren. Yeah, really, really poor. Um, he was obviously competing like I say in Players' Championship 7 in Barnsley and Barnsley were hosting Sheffield United in a big clash in the Championship at about half 12, I think it was. So obviously Darren walking back to the hotel where he was confronted. I've attended a few Pro Tour events in Milton Keynes, which is right outside Milton Keynes Stadium. And there's never been a problem between fans and the players, but it's awful. I mean, Darren... We've all seen Darren. He's not—he's not the biggest, but he really is one of the gentlemen of the game. He's so enthusiastic, so infectious. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at um, Darren's Twitter account and also the news report. Um, there's a photo of him, and he's—he's he's got quite a nasty sort of cut on the bridge of his nose, and it's—you know—quite clearly broken. But poor Darren there broke his nose. If you uh, if you do follow Darren Webster on Twitter at Demolition180, uh, he does talk about it, uh, the incident, quite a lot. He did tweet at the time, last 32 today, they walked down the road. About eight guys say, are you a Sheffield supporter? I said, no, mate, I'm a dark player. And then he headbutted me. But the interesting thing about the tweet, the last thing he ends with is LOL. <laughs> um, lol. So uh, good old Darren, he's, he's, he's taking it on the chin. Well, he's not taking it on the chin, he's taking it on the nose. Um, but, um, it, you know, it, it, nice to see him sort of, you know, being able to put a smile on his face about the incident I'm sure it was very uh, very nasty for him but um, he's come out the other side of it and uh, at least he can put a smile on his face and, and laugh and joke about it but yeah absolutely horrible attack um, nobody deserves that and um, we wish uh, we wish Darren all the best uh, and a very very speedy recovery okay now I believe you've got one more story for us yeah one more story um, from dartsnews.com uh, it's, it gives a, a table that's been drawn up uh, by Burton DeWitt who's a dart stats expert, um, regarding the darts manufacturers and and the leading darts manufacturers. So basically the table looks at all the events. Um, it, it gives you points for uh, winning the event, getting to the final, getting to the semis, getting to the quarters. The more status the tournament has, the more points you get. So, Josh, who would you think is the leading darts manufacturer at this point so far in 2018? Tough one. I mean, I think Unicorn will be up there because they have Gary Anderson and he has won, well, the only real... Well, Michael Van Gogh won the Masters. He belongs to... XQ Max. That's it, XQ Max, yeah. But obviously Gary belongs to Unicorn. He won the UK Open back in March. He's got to be up there. Target must be within the top three, I'd say. They've got the likes of, obviously, Rob Cross, Adrian Lewis, Raymond Van Barneville, Corey Cabby, as well, who reached the UK Open final. So I'd say they're probably the top three if I have to. OK, so you're right. Unicorn are first. Um, and they do have the likes of Michael Smith, James Wade and, and Gary Anderson. XQ Max is Michael Van Gerwen. Uh, they're in second. Um, 75 points behind. Wow. Target in third. Uh, as you said, Corey Cabby, Rob Cross, uh, and in fourth, Red Dragon. Peter Wright does belong to them, I know. Peter Wright and, and, and Jamie Hughes. Yeah. So, Unicorn well in front at the moment. How much uh, influence does the, the the make of the dart have? Not, not so much the make of the dart. We all know you need a decent set of darts to, to, to perform at the top level. I can't walk into my local branch of uh, Intersport. I don't know if Intersport exists anymore, but I can't walk into uh, my local sports shop and buy a, a cheap set of darts and expect them to perform for me to get me anywhere. But... How much time do the do the players, Josh, spend with their darts manufacturers um, perfecting the darts and also, you know, getting them to work to their own sort of specifics and, and, and how comfortable they are with their darts? They spend an awful lot more time than maybe a lot of people would think. I mean, listen, these players are able to throw anything. We see Peter Wright change his darts regularly, almost every week. Barfley, Raymond Van Barnwell and Phil Taylor have joined Target, I think Phil back in about 2014, now Raymond last year. And I know the planning that went into the making of their new dart was meticulous. 
at the top level, any percentage of an improvement can make a huge difference. So they do put an awful lot of thought and effort into changing their darts. But someone like Michael Van Gerwen, for example, has had the same set of darts now for about 10 years. James Wade, another one who's very rarely changed his equipment. So some players exper- experiment and change quite regularly, like Barney, Peter Wright, but others kind of stick with their tried and tested methods. OK, well, that concludes uh, the In the News section. Okay, we're coming towards the end of the show, um, but before we do, uh, before we go, we're going to uh, move on to our Q and A section. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've had some fantastic questions come in once again uh, over the last couple of weeks. Don't forget, you can send your questions to us via Twitter at Josh's Dartistry. You can also send them on the Facebook page. Uh, if you do a little search on Facebook, you will find us. Or, of course, you can leave us a voicemail on our voicemail box. I feel happy, won't you call me on the telephone In the morning, won't you call me on the telephone Call the boys on 07739 738 That's 07739738329 and leave them a message. Okay, guys, the first question uh, comes in from Tungsten Darts and the question is as follows. After the recent continental European success of Sulevich and Hop, who do you think is the next European to win a PDC event for the first time? Neil. Difficult question. <clears throat> Someone who I think has a lot of potential after uh, a really promising performance at the the World Championship where he reached the quarterfinal uh, is Belgium's Dimitri Vandenberg, uh, who coincidentally, his, his walk-on song is Happy by Pharrell Williams, which we've, we've learned during this... Uh, don't go there, don't go there. Okay. Uh, so for me, uh, I think he showed a lot of promise at the World Championships uh, and I think he's got real potential. Yeah, also Dimitri won the World Youth Championship off Liam in November, so he's had a fantastic end to the season. He will probably be my answer, actually. I think if you'd have asked me 12 months ago, I'd have said maybe Benito van der Pass. He's won PDC events in pro tours, but in terms of like a European tour or a PDC major, he would have been one I was looking at. But he's really struggling at the moment for form. He just can't, not just his results, but also his performances. But Benito, he's still only a young man, and I, I think he can turn it around. And he's shown enough in the last couple of years that he's got the promise to become a big PDC winner. Okay, thank you, chaps. Uh, Next question comes in from Chris Clay, and he asks, are you happy with the final World Series of darts choices? Wade, Smith, RVB. Same old, same old, in my opinion. Neil. Before before we let Josh answer that one, Josh, can you explain a bit about the World Series and, and I think it's six events? Yeah, we've got six events that take place globally before the end of season finals. The World Series of finals takes place in Vienna. In November, but the six events are in Germany first, then it goes to the US Masters in Las Vegas, then Shanghai. Then in August, there's um, a treble header down under. They visit Auckland, Melbourne, and then Brisbane. The um, the lineup for the German Darts Masters has already been finalised. In terms of the other five events, they'd pick the first six players. So in the other five events, there are still two spots remaining. Now, Michael Smith has been rewarded for his brilliant Premier League form, he's been picked in all five events. James Wade has been um, rewarded for his return to form. He's in Las Vegas and Shanghai. And Raymond Van Barneveld has been selected for the treble header down under. So Raymond, before this year, never missed a World Series event. He'll be returning down under. So whether it's the same old, same old, I'm not so sure. I mean, 
I'd have liked to see him for someone like Ian White. He's never been selected for the World Series before. He's been really, really good on the Pro Tour and the European Tour for a number of years, constantly around the top 16. He beat Marco van Gerwen recently in the Euro Tour event. I'd have liked to see Ian White re- receive an opportunity, but potentially Adrian Lewis as well, because he, he's returned to form in the Pro Tour. He's a big name, two-time world champion, but I think Marco Smith deserves it for his Premier League form. Wade is a big name and has returned to form. And Barney's one of the biggest draws in the game of darts. And as we saw in Rotterdam, he can still produce in the big moments. So, yeah, I'm happy with the selections. What about you guys? Well, I was going to ask, do you think the the, the World Series events, uh, some of them are, uh, uh, well, there's, there's some of them by invitation, aren't they, Josh? They, the, the invite. They're all, yeah, I mean, the, the top four, Van Gerwen, Wright, Cross and Anderson are selected for all the events. And yeah. then you've got Gurney and Price that have been selected for the Las Vegas and Shanghai. And also in Australia, they've already got the Simon Whitlock, Carl Anderson and Corey Cabby, the three Aussies, obviously they're going to be all on home soil. So they're invite only, then they don't go towards the world rankings, but it's, it's the World Series aim is to try and promote sport, the sport of darts globally. And obviously in, you know, in Germany, you want the German players, you want the, obviously Menzel Sudovic is the German speaking player, he's in Germany. Obviously in Australia, you want your home, you know, home nation players. So it makes sense, but it's about awfully trying to promote the sport of darts. So to do that, you need the biggest names in the world. I agree, but my, my question was going to be, perhaps, let's say for example, let's take Ian White, who we, who we were just discussing. Perhaps Ian White might indicate that Listen, that's a grueling schedule, all right? We're going all around the world with, with, with these events. Somebody might indicate that, you know, after after the, the, the regular season, they're not prepared to perhaps travel um, to those events. You know, it, it, I know they've got sponsors, but, it, you know, it costs a lot of money to, to, to get to get around the world. And it's a grueling schedule and you're away from home again for, for long periods of time. Perhaps certain people aren't picked because whether they do it publicly or privately, they might indicate that, you know, they don't really want to take part. I don't know. Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, last year, Adrian Lewis and Marco Van Gerwen both missed out on the Australian set of um, World Series events because their wives were both giving birth during that time. Obviously, they wanted to be at home with their family. So, But I just, I think the play, people like someone like Ian White, I think he, he deserves the opportunity. Maybe he has been offered, maybe he's turned it down. We, we don't know. It's only speculation. But um, I see what you mean. And the schedule is demanding. And for when those players are out travelling in World Series events, there are sometimes other Pro Tour events going on. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about selling tickets as well. They want to obviously get as many bums on seats in the particular venues that these events are taking place at. Um, and like it or not, you know, whether you like the choices, uh, whether you like the choices that the the organisers make or not. Um, they want the people who are going to sell tickets are going to, as I say, put bums on seats and are going to be the absolute major attractions to the event. So it is a difficult choice. Variety is the spice of life, as they say, and it would be nice to see other other players taking parts in these particular tournaments. But I don't really think you can blame the organisers because uh, at the end of the day, dollar is key, Josh. Yeah, and also I just wanted to mention that in the German Darts Masters, we will see Max Hopp because... In- Obviously, you've got eight players selected by the PDC and then also eight German qualifiers. He's recently won a European Tour event. He will be one of the German qualifiers. You've also got Jamie Lewis, who reached the World Championship semi-finals. He'll be in Germany alongside someone Neil mentioned a few minutes ago, Dimitri Vandenberg. So they'll be getting their opportunity in the World Series for the first time, which is fantastic to see. Okay, moving on from the uh, World Series. Uh, this question comes in for Reese Cleland, and it is very much a question for Mr. Josh Corton. Uh, what is it that drew you to Barney? For me, it's his silky throw. Also, do you think Cross will win another major this year? Me and Neil are going to put our feet up for the next 10 minutes while Josh waxes lyrical about Raymond Van Barneveld. In terms of Barney, what first drew me, like I say, I think Reese makes a very good point. He's got one of the smoothest actions in the game. When Raymond's in full flow, it's a delight to watch. But... 
have to say, it was almost by chance, really. My first time watching the darts, as I think I mentioned in the debut podcast, was um, around about 2006 when Raymond played at the Lakeside against Yellow Class and he lost the final, then switched to the PDC. And obviously watching darts for me then was very new and I decided to follow Raymond as he was the newcomer in the PDC. But I've been very fortunate, obviously since starting my blog, to have met and interviewed Raymond on a number of occasions. Not only is he a fantastic player, a five-time world champion, he's also a real gentleman of the game, one of the most popular players worldwide. So, yeah, I think that's, I think, and it's fantastic. They always say never meet your heroes, but I've not been disappointed in terms of meeting Raymond in the past. That's all I can say. Well, uh, I do believe, Josh, that you had a tweet from uh, Mr. Barneveld himself uh, this afternoon. Yeah, I'm very chuffed with that. I wrote an article this, this morning about Raymond and his ability to rise to the big occasion as he did in Rotterdam against Marco Van Gerwen. And yeah, he took to Twitter thanking me for the article, which was a very nice touch. Yeah, always nice to uh, to get a bit of social media uh, reaction from the great man himself. Going back, talking to Barney, I, my first memory of Barney, the first time I ever saw Barney play, believe it or not, uh, was on Bullseye. Oh, really? He appeared on Bullseye in 1991. Uh, and I rewatched it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, funnily enough, after we did the uh, the Jim Bowen yeah, tribute, yeah, yeah. Um, I was watching some old episodes, and I, I, I like to look up and, and have a look at the players that have uh, appeared on the, the charity throw. And I watched Barney's episode. I forget what he scored now. The one thing I did note, he had a lot more hair yeah. uh, when he appeared on Bullseye. Back I think in it's there. a Dutch thing now. You Van Gerwen, Barney, Van der Vaart, kissed. <laughs> so yeah, baldness is key. Talking of baldness, the second question that Reese asked, uh, do you think Cross will win another major this year, Josh? Listen, he hasn't won a PDC major since winning the world title, or PDC title, sorry, since winning the world title. If you're going to win one, win the world championship title. I mean, Rob is in more events this year, because let's not forget, last year he was a newcomer on the PDC tour. He was starting from scratch. So he wasn't, he didn't have as high a ranking as he has now. He's world number three, I think, Last year, he was, when he was in the world match play World Grand Prix, he was drawing C's in the first round, so his route was more difficult. As world number three this year, he's going to have more favourable draws in the early rounds, which should suit him. I mean, I think a few times last year, he was playing Michael Van Gerwen in the quarterfinals or the last 16, which won't be the case this year. But as we discussed with Adrian Lewis, discussing his chances of winning the majors this year, there's so many players now in the world of darts that are capable of winning majors. I mean, Michael Van Gerwen last year, despite his dominance, didn't win either of the World Grand Prix, the World Match Play or the World Championship, three of the biggest events on the calendar. So it's not a given by any stretch. But Rob Cross, he, even though he's, he lacks a lot of experience, he makes up for that in his ability, his temperament. And I think he's going to be a real contender for every tournament he competes in. Do you think he will win another major if he changes his walk-on music? I have to say, I don't think there'll be a massive factor in it. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. I noted earlier in Challenge, Josh, you weren't uh, overly pleased with... Uh... I love Rob Cross. He's a fantastic player, a really nice guy. But yeah, I have to say, I think the walk-on's got to go, Rob. Neil, any comments on Rob Cross? Just, I think he's a great player. Uh, I think it's remarkable <clears throat> what he's done uh, in such a, a short space of time. And I think he's, he's right up there with with Gary Anderson, Michael Van Gerwen, Peter Wright and, and, and the like. So it would not surprise me at all if he was to win another major and maybe more than one. Okay, moving on then. Uh, we've had a message from Jordan Harrison. He asks, what sparked Peter Wright's change in fortune and is it the new darts, Josh? Well, I spoke to Peter a couple of weeks ago when I was working at Sky um, in a preview for Judgment Night. And he was saying sometimes when he's struggling, it's usually in practice as well that he, you can't get to grips with it. But he was saying in practice and he was playing really well, hitting nine darts for fun. Just on the big stage, he was struggling. So maybe it was a confidence thing. Because we all know Peter Wright, the, the ability he possesses. He's turned it around in recent weeks, still not being at his very best. But hopefully we saw him beat Van Gerwen in Rotterdam, draw across. 
I think his Premier League hopes are probably over for this year. But I think with Peter Wright, I, th- I don't think the change of darts always helps him. Because if you change every week, it's, it's impossible to get that continuity, that, that sort of rhythm. But the darts he used in Rotterdam on both nights are the darts I think he should use going forward for the rest of the year. And it'll be interesting to see if he sticks with one set of darts for a while, if that'll help him start winning, winning titles again. Because I don't think he's won a title yet this year, which is surprising when you consider he won 11 last year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree that, that confidence, uh, like in any sport really, um, can make a massive difference and it, there has been an upsurge in his form and that will lead to uh, an upsurge in his confidence so I think he's reached three finals fairly recently there was the Players Championship three in Barnsley yeah, and obviously two Euro finals yeah the Euro uh, the European Darts Open and the German Darts Grand Prix as well so good performances in in, in getting to the final of those three events and, and co- confidence has uh, increased and he's, he's subsequently playing better definitely Okay, uh, final question of the show comes in from Chris Bull, uh, and he asks, what would the panel's walk-on music be and why? Let's go to Neil. Thank you, put me on the spot. (laughs) Uh, Something something motivational. Uh, I would probably go for... Tragedy? (laughs) I would probably go for I have I have the target. No, I wouldn't, Josh. Don't worry. Um, I would I would go for something like uh, right here, right now uh, by Fatboy Slim. Um, Ironic. No, no. <laughs> Play nicely, please. Um, yeah. So there's 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 a there's a, there's a message. In the in in whose song this is, Fatboy Slim, uh, but also I, you know, it's one of my favourite gym tracks and and quite motivational. Jim, uh, Josh, it's a tough one. This I don't know. I think I'd have to go for something quite upbeat. I quite like Dimitri Vandenberg's sort of hap, you know walk, happy walk on song, gets everyone fired up. You know, enjoying the moment. I don't know something like. Dynamite by Tyo Cruz. I'm going to go as an outside shot. He's there. down with the kids, is Josh. I am. I'm down with the kids. <laughs> I don't even know what that song is. I'll play it to you later. Well, I, I can talk the lyrics to you if you want, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I think um, I would have to go with uh, if ever I got to a position where I was good enough to throw a dart professionally, which is never going to happen, let's be honest. Um, but I would, uh, mine's pretty definite. I would go for Johnny Be Good uh, by Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry is a bit of a, a legend for me. Um, grew up listening to his music thanks to my mum and dad owning their records. Probably one of the f- earliest uh, songs I remember hearing as a very young boy. Um, I've got the uh, I've got the musical notes tattooed on my right arm. Uh, the first four bars of Johnny Be Good. My name is John. Uh, it's the first song I ever sang uh, with uh, a live band. Are you in um, a band? I'm in a band. I'm in a band called Roundabout Zoo, and you can follow us on Twitter at Roundabout Zoo. Uh, and we do perform uh, Johnny Be Good uh, quite often towards the end of the night so um, I think it's a great song I think it gets everyone up if you remember uh, the film Back to the Future uh, Michael J Fox obviously got up on stage and uh, and sang it before he smashed his guitar up and smashed the speakers up and everything else that was uh, on stage so uh, yeah definitely Johnny Be Good is, uh, is definitely my walk on song Good question but I guess something that will never ever happen having seen you two play darts Harsh <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that brings us handily to the end of the show. Quite an action-packed show, I thought. There's quite a lot of content in there uh, for this episode. Lots of uh, lots of things to discuss. Josh? Yeah, really, it's been a very busy show. Really enjoyed your company. We've had a lot to cover. Obviously, with busy few weeks of Premier League action, the Euro Tour. Quite a contentious challenge, Josh, this week. I'm looking forward to the next, <laughs> next instalment. But, yeah, very good. Very Really enjoyed the show, and I hope the listeners enjoy it. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Josh's Datastry. Check out the Facebook page, Josh's Datastry, uh, and also log on to www.joshesdatastry.com. Uh, you'll find all of Josh's latest news, blogs, reviews, and darting information on the website. Neil, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. No question what the, uh, the favourite part of the show for me was. Challenge, Josh? No. The apology you had to issue? Nope. The prediction competition, which he's winning. Correct. Boring. Okay. Uh, Josh, thank you very much for your time. Many thanks, John. Uh, my name's John, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Just shit, stop it straight. Just shit, stop it straight. Just shit, stop it straight.